You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Good evening. Greg Hectus. Hope everybody's staying safe. And special guest, Jeremy Allen. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, welcome. Well, thanks for coming, Jeremy Allen. Uh, on iRacing, you're actually Jeremy R. Allen under your driver profile. Uh, and it looks like you've been here for uh, a long time. Uh, it says 10 years. So let's go back to the beginning and learn more about you. Uh, when did you first hear the word iRacing, and then what did you do about it? Well, I, like many of us uh, at the top of like the oval side, I was, you know, running the Pappy 2K3 game, and uh, the rumors started coming out about, you know, iRacing in the next-gen Papyrus game, and I probably heard about it in 06 or 07, and uh, waited waited a year after release or so, and that's when I first joined up was in the middle of 2009 and just never looked back. All right, very good. And uh, looking at your profile, your overall winning percentage, 23.9% on Oval. That's with some great numbers. Um Let's uh, jump over to what do you do for hardware and software? Uh, what are you running for wheel pedals and monitors, VR, that kind of thing? And then third-party software. Uh, so I just upgraded to the, to the uh, AccuForce, the V2. Uh, I've been using these Fanatec V3 inverted for a couple of years now. Uh, love the pedal. It's starting to get used to the wheel, the direct drive wheel. I come from originally uh, the G27 and then I upgraded to a... Uh, uh, belt-driven Fanatec uh, CSL Elite, and that really wasn't, you know, cutting it for me. And I really, you know, I wanted, I wanted more, more feedback, and uh, got the direct drive. As far as VR or triples, I just run a single 32-inch uh, curved monitor. Nothing real special about it. 144 hertz, and uh, recently upgraded my computer. Uh, had to, but other than that, you know, I'm just pretty basic. Okay, and we'll talk about your computer situation a little bit later on. Uh, when we talk about the last race, uh, let's talk about what other racing do you do on iRacing when you're not getting ready for the Coke series? Uh, are you running like, uh, you know, it looks like B fixed a lot recently. Uh, what else are you running? Well, I think the, as far as oval racing goes, the, the B fixed, the Xfinity car is probably the hardest car to drive right now on the top three NASCAR series. So I'd like to get in on that once you know at least once or twice a week just to keep my uh, mechanics up you know keep my skills sharp but uh recently i've been really enjoying the imsa series on the roadside i i've uh grown grown more fond of the roadside and trying to get better at it it's a totally different skill set and i've uh, just been working at that during uh my off time you know not practicing for the nascar stuff okay have you uh, dabbled in the dirt at all or uh no actually that is just not my style uh it's just a totally different skill set and it would take way too long for me to get uh where i'd like to be so no i don't really do the dirt stuff okay um so you've been running the a car obviously in the coke series uh and this year we have that uh tire model known as version seven uh what do you think of that tire model uh does it suit you did you like it before or do you like it better now what do you think so when they originally released it i I didn't really know what to think about it. It was it was completely different than anything I've ever felt. Um, but it's growing on me. Uh, I like the fact that you really got to 
protect your tires. You know, you can't just go out there and run 150 qualifying laps in the race. And you got to really strategize, you know, when you want to go. When I know another thing is you got to strategize when you want your setup to be good. You could build a setup that takes off 1 to 20 and then, you know, completely just fall off the face of the earth. Or you can start slow and end fast. That's that's more my style. And I think that's why the V7 tire fits me better than any other tire that Irison's had previously. Okay, very good. Um, let's talk about the past. Let's go back in time when iRacing started, so to speak. Uh, you were involved in what was known as the Coke Series back then. Uh, you have two wins that I found in the Coke Series back in uh, 2011 and 2012. And I guess I want to ask, what is your, uh, what's different, you know, from then to now? Uh, from your perspective, because you've been on uh, in both uh, situations, um, it, there's it's quite a bit different. Uh, back then, it was more of a, you know, it was more of a league type setting. You know, uh, a lot of good guys coming together and just you know having a good time. Now it's you know it's it's really like a job. You know, we everybody's taking it ultra serious. Everyone's trying to be the best they can be, and you didn't really have that. You had five or six guys doing that back when I was uh, involved in 2011 and 2012. Now you got, you know, 30 to 35 guys that could win on any given Tuesday, you know, like it's, it's way, way harder to, you know, to win now than when it was um, back when I got my two wins. Yeah, it is a whole different uh, situation for sure. Um, let's talk about your decision to come back, so to speak, and uh, get back into the Coke series after all that time. What led to that? And, and tell us a little bit about the road to pro and the the pro series uh i owe the comeback most of all to marcus Lindsay. uh he used to be back in the coke series way back in the day um he really really convinced me he said you know this this thing's taken off and i really he told me that he'd like to see me get in and get involved uh that it's going in a good direction um so we started we we started road to pro the quote-unquote comeback in 2018 it didn't go like we wanted to we took some time off just to get a reset we come back in February and started the 2019 season and we just, we got hot and we just carried that all the way into the NASCAR. I mean, it felt like for a solid year, I couldn't make, I couldn't make a wrong move or a wrong call on pit road. Yeah. With a one win uh, that I saw in the pro series and then several top tens. And I think you ended even uh, P one in points uh, going into the Coke series. Yeah. We won the road to pro series, which is a feeder for the pro series, which is a feeder right. for the, yeah. Yeah, so running the Road to Pro Series was a, probably the biggest accomplishment uh, as far as championships. You know, that was that was really cool to win and gave me that little bit extra momentum going into the Pro Series that, hey, you know, I, I, I can do this. I can requalify. Just taking that much time off, I didn't I didn't know. There's a lot of new faces I'd never even raced with. A lot of young young people too, right? So you, uh, what is your most memorable iRacing moment? That almost sounds like that may be it. Yeah, maybe clinching the title at Homestead and the Road to Pro, or um, getting getting my first ever e NASCAR win at Talladega. That was it ended in controversy, but it was it was memorable for sure and something that I'll never forget. Okay, very good. Uh, let's switch gears and uh, talk about this year a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, coming into this race, sixteenth, uh, fifteenth. And then ninth, uh, tell us about those three runs. Uh, I mean, Daytona with that big mess at the back. I mean, 16th, that's not so bad. Yeah. Daytona, I, I was rusty. I, I played it 
entirely too safe. Um, that's not my style. Never been my style. That's how I got my two wins in plate races. Was, you know, going up there and trying to lead the most laps I could. And uh, I just kind of rode around and and it ended up biting me. I didn't. I wasn't able to get back to the front. I was kind of stuck in the mid pack where where all the draw. You know where where the mess happens. You know you can either be ahead of it or behind it. But when you're in it, that's not a good place to be. And we got lucky to dodge to dodge it all. Come out with a 16th, um, which is not bad. You know, don't get me wrong. But we definitely wanted to try to do better. We went to Auto so, Club. Well, let's let me stop you there on the Daytona. Uh, you, you mentioned track position, basically. It is so important, and I think there's a stigma amongst the veteran drivers because back in the day, you'd oh, we'll hang around the back and we'll you know get up to the front at the end. You can't do that anymore. It's a totally different Daytona now. Yeah, actually, you're right. I used to I used to be able to bully my way up through there a little bit more than I can now. You know, people call me on my bluff, and they uh, you get you just get stuck. You know, they go three by three, and you just you're just stuck. You can't go forward. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's go ahead to uh, Auto Club. So Auto Club, uh, we had a computer issue. Uh, we ended up falling out and qualifying, starting uh, dead last. Uh, I think we ran all the way up to like 13th and called a caution, and we were we had a very good car. We were we were going three wide for third with like 20 to go, and we just just the hole closed up, and I ended up going sideways into the wall and got a bunch of damage and ended up finishing 15th, but. That that's the one I felt like I could have won. I probably would have won if I didn't get uh, get that contact with 20 to go. Right, and then ninth on the third race. Yeah, yeah. The the more I race, the more comfortable I get, and the rest comes off. Uh, the ninth was uh, we didn't really have speed at Homestead. I had to think there for a second. It was Homestead. Uh, we we had okay speed, but wasn't great. Um, and then we played the fuel game, and we had to save a little bit. Uh, we stayed out with. 71 laps to go and ended up having to save a little bit uh ended up finishing ninth because a couple of guys ran out they went too hard i don't know how you do that you know you, you know you need fuel but they they just went hard as they could uh so we ended up saving fuel and passing them at the end and that that's a we that's a building block for sure that propelled us into the top 10 in points and that's i feel like that's going to be the game changer for us yeah a great run for sure um and you know fairly consistent finishes there kind of uh you know um 10th to 16th so to speak so keep it up uh we'll talk about this week's race in a moment uh let's uh, switch gears a little bit uh let's talk about the team uh first uh you know the public facing team uh you're you're you know teamed up with christian challoner you know with the uh jtg daughtery uh tell us about getting that and uh what you think about getting that particular ride uh i was super excited when jtg daughtery called me um Cause I know Christian, uh, haven't one of the guys that didn't race with, but I definitely had watched and studied and to be teamed up with him and this, uh, 2020 NASCAR series, it's an honor. He's a very good guy and he's super quick, super smart on the track. And, uh, that's one of the big reasons I signed there. I had, I had two other offers, but I felt like Christian was the difference maker in my offer because we, I know we can win the team championship and take that money home. And that was a big part of it. Okay. And uh, who is your contact over there at JTG? Are you talking to Brad Daughtery or Tad or Jody? Uh, actually, um, the guy who contacted me and is running the esports department is, is Blake Cope. Uh, as far as what I understand, he's Ernie Cope, the crew chief. He's his son. So that's that's like the contact I have. Aha, and he works for the team. 
Correct. Yeah, he runs their esports department. Awesome. Okay. All right. And then you had the opportunity to go to Charlotte to meet uh, the other drivers, NASCAR, iRacing. Tell us a little bit about that and, and what you thought about uh, seeing those people. Uh, it's very surreal. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, a couple of these guys I've been racing with basically my entire sim racing career. And and it was great to meet them. Uh, a lot of my uh, behind-the-scenes teammates were there. And, uh, it was also great meeting them. And, of course, you get to meet the, the stewards like, you know, uh, Tyler and the, the representatives from NASCAR. I'm struggling to find their name, but they were there as well. And everybody was just super nice. And uh, we seemed to get a lot of things ironed out. It was it was good to get the rule book set in stone, you know, before the season when everyone's there so you can pound it in everyone's head what you want to do. Right. Okay. That sounds like fun. And then uh, I noticed you were from Indianapolis uh, area, so I wanted to ask you, you know, as a local, what do you think about the postponement of the Indy 500, uh, such an iconic race uh, due to this coronavirus stuff? Well, I understand, you know, safety uh, first and foremost, so. You know, I understand postponement. I'm glad they didn't full on cancel it. That's a big, it's the biggest event in Indianapolis. So that would have really, really hurt our economy and everything. Uh, but, you know, safety first and foremost. I actually live within spitting distance of the track. Every time they practice, I can, it rattles my windows. You know, it, it wakes me up sometimes in the morning. <laughs> All right. Well, at least it's uh, still going to happen. I'm excited for the Indy 500. It's always such a good, good race. And, uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Jeremy Allen, for uh, coming on and talking a little bit about yourself today. Uh, let's talk about the most recent Coke race and joining us uh, here on the show, Evan Pasoko, uh, you're, you showed up. Yeah, we made it. It's, uh, it's been a crazy few weeks, as I'm, I'm sure you guys uh, know, and uh, I've been on broadcasts left and right and, and conference calls and events and uh, all kinds of different things, but uh, I will always do my very best to make room for the show. Well, we appreciate that, and let's talk about the Bristol race, and Jeremy, jump in when you can if you got some, uh, some uh, you know, from the driver's uh, seat perspective. Uh, so it started out Conti uh, leading early with uh, over Bolin, Clampett, then Davies, uh, then Tyrese Leahy. Uh, the top two kind of broke away a bit. Lap 32, it was good racing for the lead. Uh, they were starting to actually lap cars there. Uh, lap 40, uh, uh, Bolin finally gets the lead there. It was really good because, you know, having only gotten this back on the calendar last year, and that race only had five yellows, we were like, hey, maybe uh, we'll see a lot of green flag racing in this one. And we did, of course, I think it's, you know, what we'll talk about later on towards the end when we get all the yellows uh, that gave us a higher number than what we saw last year. Uh, but the start was good. And, of course, uh, it is kind of stereotypical Bristol that your race leader is going to have to deal with all that traffic. And I know when Conti was up front and he was getting uh, held up and lost the race lead when he kind of that, uh, a pick on himself with some lap traffic and uh, poor uh, poor Graham there finally gets to the uh, to the race lead and uh, obviously didn't see uh, the traffic coming off of uh, turn two and I think uh, some of the traffic started rolling I think he tried to get around uh, Eric and uh, ended up uh, in the mess and unfortunately that's uh, what happens at Bristol because uh, he was again uh, off to a very good start as one of the top rookies in the series and uh, uh, like a handful of drivers uh, who showed speed, don't really get uh, the result that they probably deserved. Yeah, Graham, Kerwin, yeah, they, uh, Eric Smith, Malik Ray, all involved in that uh, caution lap 47. 
Yeah, and big, it, uh, big issues. And, and listen, like I said, we expect to see that happen. Um, and of course, uh, for a lot of it, you know, even late in the race, it was guys back in the pack fighting and the, and the race leaders were able to, to kind of get on through. But uh, unfortunately, in that case, uh, you know, you did have some of those top cars collected. And then back to green, uh, Davies, which it's nice to see him up front. Uh, Clampett, Ottinger, Leahy, Conti, lap 52. And then a quick caution, a car broke loose and single car spin. It was Jimmy Mullis. Uh, Keister and Bolton make contact, but it stayed green through that. And then finally a caution on lap 88. Eric Smith uh, uh, contacted uh, Alfala, Lyon, Guest, and others. It was a pretty big wreck. And that uh, did not help my uh, fantasy out, as uh, Randy was so acute to mention on the broadcast, as we've been trying to do this little broadcast booth fantasy. And I've picked guys with speed. I picked Nathan because he led the most laps last year uh, and didn't really get uh, a good result out of it. And, and he was kind of like a top 10 car, and uh, he got collected in it. And uh, I know you mentioned Ray. Uh, Ray got into a bit of a dust-up uh, as that race would go on. Uh, so there was uh, a lot of tempers and a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to talk about, certainly for us on, on the broadcast side of things. Uh, Bristol didn't disappoint. No matter who uh, you, know, you were cheering for, maybe your driver didn't get uh, a good finish. But from our perspective, uh, it had just about everything. It did. And then uh, from there, um, Evan, I wanted to ask you, I, I noticed on, on, on after that caution, you actually have to call the replay of what happened before it was actually shown on video. And I think it's just because it's a short track and they're going to pit stops and you want to cover pit stops live. So you're trying to get the replay in time, but you can't get the video. So you're doing it verbally. Tell us about the challenge of broadcasting on a short track. Yeah, it, and it, it has to do a combination with uh, the track and as well with how we've changed to do the broadcast this year. So uh, it hasn't been as noticeable in the other races because, like you mentioned, bigger racetrack, we have time to kind of queue up replays. Uh, but when RaceSpot would do it, I mean, we would, uh, you know, kind of identify the car number involved and we'd kind of click right to that car. So you would almost see the camera kind of search it around trying to get set for the replay. Obviously, uh, with it all be doing uh, or, you know, iRacing doing it all um, in Kelmsford, um, you know, they, there's three, four camera people that are actually feeding into the broadcast. So two of our camera people are assigned to go find a replay. They have to go find an angle that they like it. It has to get approved. They're going to rewind it, get it set. And that just takes too much time at Bristol. So the, we actually need to get better, I think, as a booth team of, of trying to call it when it happens uh, on the actual, like when you, you when you guys see the replay at home. Um, but we're just kind of so used to, if a wreck happens, we're used to the, the replay coming up so quick that when I'm in the sim myself, I just kind of rewind it back and kind of talk through it myself. So that's kind of why you're getting our explanation first, and then you're seeing the video later is just because uh, on the back end, they're, they're being a little bit more fine-tuned with what angles uh, and, and, you know, what kind of replays we're showing. Um, so you're exactly right. At Bristol, it's a challenge because uh, in the earlier races, Daytona, Fontana, Homestead, the, you know, the lap to catch the pace car and then they come in, that's enough time to queue a replay. It isn't at Bristol. And uh, I expect that maybe we'll run into a similar thing uh, when we head off uh, to the next race as well at Richmond, because uh, it's still a shorter track, so you might see uh, a similar thing happen with stops. Well, well, correct me if I'm wrong, Evan. We didn't really have too many cautions in the first couple of races, right? Like you guys yeah, didn't have no, a lot of time to practice good. that. Yeah, I mean Daytona, we had none. 
uh, which was super nice until y'all uh, made sure to wreck them on the last lap and uh, technically counts for none. Uh, we had two in Fontana and we had uh, two in Homestead. And, and with those two second and third races, you know, when you get those yellows, since there were so few, they were pretty much... Uh, you know, in agreement that everybody's going to come down to the pit lane. So we still had cars down pit road, uh, and we didn't have that issue. But uh, by far and large, uh, we had not seen as many yellows all year as we did on Tuesday night. Okay. And then uh, moving forward, uh, we had a quick caution for Keister, who pushed up into Bob Bryant. Cattell had also gotten loose and nailed Mullis in a separate incident. Mullis had nowhere to go and literally killed his car. It was tough luck. Uh, that was an interesting call too, Evan, because uh, you identified it was two separate incidents, and uh, and and in fact, I think we even got, we even got replays of them. Yeah, that's that's one advantage of having the multiple camera people is we were able to cue one up, um, and then the second one, and and that's kind of what you see at tracks like this, and and I know that Jeremy, you can attest to this as well, is. You know, if, if there's a mess somewhere, then somebody's checking up and somebody's hitting them. And a lot of the time, it all ends up as one big wreck. And sometimes, uh, you know, at Bristol, when it only takes you five seconds to get down to the other end of the racetrack, you can kind of be wrecking all over the place just from one person getting out of shape. Right. A lot of the official cautions that are thrown start a lap or two before. And the rest of it's just people trying to, you know, either gain a spot or get, you know, try not to wreck. It's just everyone stacks up so quick. Yeah, especially here. Uh, back to green, lap 101. Longer green flag run here uh, at around lap 155. Conti finally catches Davies. It was a good battle for the lead as they were getting through heavy lap traffic. Uh, then Luza obviously caught him and joined the battle. And then Conti tangles with a lapper, but it stays green. Man, this is this classic NASCAR. I was so entertained. Yeah, and that's not even the, you know, I referred earlier that he kind of said a pick on himself with the lapper. That was early. This is what he, I mean, quite literally was turned up and into the outside wall. That car was basically, you know, totally horizontal to the racetrack. And, and then it kind of was able to snap it back and he saved it. So so that was really good by Conti. I was talking as well uh, a little bit earlier today uh, about how, you know, how well the junior motorsports cars are done. You mentioned you love seeing Brad Davies up front and you leaded 117 laps of that race. Most laps led one of the series veterans. Uh, but that green flag run once loser got up and into the mix, uh, I mean, still under green flag conditions at that point. Uh, I know even with the restarts later on, nobody could really uh, get to Ryan from that point on. But, I mean, up until then, you had like four or five cars, I think, that you could kind of throw a blanket over them, and it, it would have came down to, uh, you know, pit sequence and execution on that if it had stayed green, uh, and as well execution on the restarts to uh, see who would get that clean air, which uh, obviously was a big, big advantage for him late. Yeah, and then Luza got the lead at that point in that uh, exchange. Uh, stayed green until lap 189. Alfala gets wrecked. Uh, Challenger got him after race squeezes them into the wall. Looked like a little bit of payback there, short track racing style. That was uh, 100%, I think, that he paid him back. And uh, I was curious if there were going to be uh, any harsh feelings about that, but I think I saw them uh, joking with each other uh, on Twitter over it. So I think toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, they're they're going to be fine. They'll uh, they'll survive. But listen, that's what you expect at Bristol, and and we said this on the broadcast, and uh, I think NASCAR liked it because I think that's something that they clipped and put on the social stuff. That that's why you love Bristol is <laughs> if somebody does you wrong, you know, you can just go back and get them, and uh, that's what happened in that case, and. Uh, it, it happens to somebody every year. Uh, this time around, it just happened to be uh, Ray and Christian getting together and 
you know, Jeremy, you're a guy that that knows all of these drivers, have been around for the scene for a while. What are maybe your thoughts on uh, that? You know, that kind of payback and and how it plays into a championship. So payback is typical at Bristol, but the two guys that were doing it. That is what surprised me the most. You're talking about a four-time champion. You got to have a cool head. He has a cool head. I know him. And Chowner, he's an up-and-comer. Guy is stone cold. So when I seen those two getting mad, I was like, oh, crap. This is this is getting real, real fast. Well, Ray had his opportunity, I think, on some uh, later restarts. He was right behind Christian. So Yeah, he did. He got to his inside, and, and I think we actually flipped the cameras back because we're all thinking, all right, watch them, watch them, watch them, and... Uh, I, I think that uh, that Ray decided to just uh, truck on by and uh, opt to not go for round two. Maybe we'll see it at uh, Richmond. We've got short tracks coming up. You never know. It's really was... easy to screw everything up, though. If you're trying that, you could really there you could really end your race badly. Okay, and then that's kind of the beginning of the caution fest. From there, it was kind of back to green, forty nine to go. Uh, it was Lowe's, Davies. Uh, Conti, Bolton, Zelensky, Novak, Guest, and then caution with 40 to go. Jeremy Allen, uh, you bring out the caution. Now let's stop here and talk about your race a little bit. You, uh, I was watching you come through there. You were like 23rd earlier, and then you were up to like 16th. And then I think I saw you as high as 12th at one point. And then this caution happened, and it happened to be for you. So tell us about what happened. So uh, I know our control, my computer, just it was doing something I didn't need to do. And it just connection to the server was really poor all night. I told uh, NASCAR and Iason to uh, hang out in the back until it fixed itself, and it, it kind of fixed itself. Where I was good enough to go racing, and I was able to drive up to 12th. And then we had a restart, and it just everything went, you know, south really quick. And uh, NASCAR made the call to pull us off the track, and uh, I tried, you know, I got off the track as fast as I could. I I should have drove back to pit road. Uh, that was me being kind of a dummy i brought the caution out didn't really want to do that but yeah just computer problems you have it you have it in real life with electronics and engines and we have it here too with you know obviously computer and internet man that's gonna hurt in the points isn't it yeah we fell uh from eighth uh to 20th and i think if we would have just finished where we were running we would have been like fifth or something in points so it hurts but it's a long season we'll, we'll get back up there you know long season we got it we got a good team behind us but jtg and we'll be back that's right. And so what did you do to fix the problem for the next race? I went to Newegg.com and spent $1,300. All right. So you're building it yourself kind of thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's my, my dad got me into sim racing and taught me all about computers. So uh, just, you know, I like building them. It's something I enjoy doing. And I like, I like knowing when I got under, quote unquote, the hood. Okay. All right, and uh, it was kind of a mystery at the time during the broadcast what happened, but I'm uh, glad to hear the backstory on that. Uh, I'm glad you, you're getting a new computer for next week. <laughs> yeah, it should be, should be good to go. I shouldn't have any connection issues, hopefully. Now, on that caution, Keegan pits and everyone else stays out, and I think that was uh, probably not a great move. Uh, what do you think? Um, it's so tough, man. Keegan's so smart, but if it were me, there's no way I'd give up track position. No way. Uh Maybe he thought he had a good enough car to get back through there. Just, man, I I think Evan called it perfect. I heard, because I hopped out of the rig and I went straight into the living room and watched the race. And I think Evan had a pretty good view on this. It's, you might have a good car and you, you might win the race, but there's a whole lot of chance of you not getting back up there and getting wrecked. Yeah, that was the, you know, the biggest thing that you're concerned about is, you know, 
A, is it hard enough if he goes back to like 15th? I mean, it's hard enough to pass those 14 cars back. But the issue is, you know, on the restart, you get the top six cars, whatever the number is, that single file out. Most of the wrecks were coming mid-pack, even at the end. I mean, for how hard the race leaders were going at each other, Keegan was all right. I mean, he was still you know, able to get on to uh, that P12 finish, but he just could kind of never get out of that log jam in the middle. And that's why I think you saw other drivers opt uh, to kind of give up that tires. And, and listen, nobody else really pitted. It was kind of a, you know, an off-the-wall call by Keegan at the end of the day, which he doesn't know. He could pit, and if everybody else follows him in he's the first guy on the fresh tires and you know he looks like a genius uh but really everybody else opted to just kind of stay out and uh it made some of those late race restarts interesting because they're all on old tires and spinning them and whatnot but uh listen sometimes that's gonna work out for you and and this time it uh, it just didn't yep and then back to green low gets around uh davies uh and as Luzo was starting to gap those guys, uh, Brandon Cattell brings out another caution with 26 to go after contact with Schoenberg. Restart with 20 to go at, after another quick caution for Clampett, Garigula, and Keister. Then another caution, Gorlinski, Schoenberg, and then back to green, six to go, Luzo, low, Conti, Novak were the leaders. And then another caution, uh, Thierry's went three wide with Vincent and Cattell. Uh, we even had a replay of uh, that. But uh, all, like you said, it was all at the back of the field. And that's just the way, you know, Bristol is, is just because I'm running in 14th or if I'm running, you know, a lap down, two laps down in in 20th position, as long as there's somebody there that I'm fighting with, I'm not going to be like, well, you know, I'm just going to not go for this fight because I'm going to let the race leaders go at it. And and that's the thing. I mean, not only at Bristol, we can get away with it at other tracks, but it's it's just kind of an eye racing thing that. You know, you have that middle portion green flag run, and if you get a yellow towards the end, there's a chance that you're kind of going to have a lot of that stop and start, no matter where you are. But especially uh, at you know, the, you know, the shortest track on the calendar in Bristol. Okay, and so uh, at the uh, final restart, uh, nobody challenges Ryan Michael Luza, and he wins uh, two straight. Let's hear your call from Garrett Lowe going to look to the bottom it is not going to be enough and Ryan Luza is going to go back to back he steals the win at Thunder Valley so he's looking pretty good this year <laughs> yeah I mean well that's an understatement and and we said it when he was doing the celebration as we did our our Coca-Cola move of the race that that is uh you know a couple of fun facts that I, that I really enjoyed uh, you know Tim Terry's got me hooked on these kind of fun facts and I know Tim does his Tim facts that you know that's that's Ryan's 14th career win so he's ties Nick Ottinger for second all time uh, only train uh, trailing Ray uh, who's 10 ahead of him at 24 trips to victory lane but as well is you know Ryan had a really good start to the season last year and and then kind of did not get those tri I mean he was still fast but didn't get those trips to victory lane in the second half like he did and in every season uh, that he's competed in, he has won at least two uh, of the opening four races. In 17, it was round two at Vegas. In round three uh, in Fontana. In 18, it would have been Auto Club round three in Vegas round four. Last year, it would have been round two in Vegas, four in Texas. And now this year, Homestead in Bristol in three and four. So if there's one driver that I should have learned just based on history to take my fantasy pick for a couple of these first four weeks, it's got to be Luza because, you know, no matter, and we had him on uh, one of our eNASCAR podcasts a couple of weeks ago that we did on the NASCAR 
ask our social channels and, and I asked them, you know, different teams, different rules, different, you know, builds on iRacing setups. I mean, through all of that, he's able to be consistent. And, and I think a lot of that has to go into, you know, while some of the other drivers are still trying to figure things out when those changes happens, uh, is he's really quick. Uh, and he can figure those things out. And I'm sure he's now hoping, having gotten two wins early, uh, that he can continue that for a full season effort and obviously fight uh, for a second title. And he's so serious when you show him his face on the camera. No expression. <laughs> yeah, he does. Even, even when we get him on like these interviews. Even when he won the race, he was yeah, still flat. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's calm, cool, and collected. The, uh, he's locked in. All and, business. Because he expects to win. I mean, when he wins, it's not like... Uh, like a big surprise. He's like, okay, I did my job because I need to show up and win. So if he gets anything other than when he's disappointed, if he wins, he's kind of uh, content, I think would be a way to put it because he expects to win. Um, and, and I think that for the top, top level guys in this, then uh, listen, we, I love seeing the guys have fun with it. Don't get me wrong. But for the top, top level guys, they're expecting to come out here and run good each week. And, and that's why not robotic. I don't think that's a, a good way to put it, but I think that as well, like, um, you know, him being locked in shows you that uh, uh, when he's behind the wheel, you know, it's 110% business. Yep. So multiple wins uh, this year so far. It puts him fourth in points. Bobby Zelensky first. Keegan Leahy second. Garrett Lowe third. Ryan is in fourth. And then Ashton Crowder fifth. Uh, and then you, Jeremy Allen, uh, 20th after that computer problem. So uh, looking for you to bounce back up there. Yeah, we'll get back. Uh, that was, you know, tough pill to swallow. We were up there. We were up in the eighth and had those problems. Uh, just to add on Mike, Ryan Mekaluza, the guy, the guy is an animal. I call him an animal. Uh, you don't, you don't want him behind you. As much as you do want him behind you, you don't. Because uh, he, he just, he pushes you in a, in a, in a situation where he's always going to take, he's always got the advantage. I don't understand it. He, you know, he could come from the very back to the front with, and you look and you go, well, it's 30 laps later. How did they get up there? And then you go, well, it's Ryan. That's right. All right. Well, Jeremy Allen, thank you so much for coming on our show today and uh, getting to know you a little bit. Uh, good luck in the Coke series going forward with the new computer build. And I hope it goes well. Uh, tell the f listeners out there how they can follow you. Uh, do you have a Twitch or a social media, Twitter? Uh, I mainly use Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Jeremy R. Allen 02. Uh, I have a Facebook too. Uh, just search me on there, Jeremy R. Allen. I don't stream or anything. Uh, just not my style. But I, I keep uh, most of my fans updated on Twitter, and that'd be a good way to keep in touch with me if you're uh, interested in that. All right. Thanks, Jeremy Allen, for coming on. We appreciate it. And uh, Evan, let's uh, finish up with you. Uh, we got the stats from your race and. Man, you guys are up again. Like how much? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. We went from uh, I think it was 180 or so thousand uh, viewers average for the first two. That jumped uh, to 280 thousand, and uh, I think this past week we had uh, nearly 350 thousand uh, live stream views, and and that's a combination of uh, you know the the main I think streaming platform that they're pushing is the NASCAR YouTube, um, which I think had about 8,000, 9,000 live at the start of the race, which is the most that I've seen. Uh, but then, of course, you got people who, who come in and out, and then you've got the the Twitch feeds, and then it's also on the iRacing's YouTube and Twitch and, and NASCAR's Facebook. So, uh, you know, still kind of with that attack from all angles thing. So when you combine up uh, all that viewership, uh, 350,000 is not bad. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of like a, an Xfinity or Truck Series number sometimes. 
Yeah, I've seen IndyCar races. Oh, for that. <laughs> but with, with that being said, one more question. Uh, as we go later in the show, we're going to be talking about all these different efforts to put iRacing on network television uh, by NBC and Fox. And they're literally trying all kinds of stuff, but it's all with the NASCAR stars and, and, and obviously other professionals. Is there any word or talk or discussion about getting the Coke series on one of these uh, television uh, broadcasts? Well, I know that iRacing would love that because the whole idea with iRacing taking over the broadcast now, if you notice when you watch our race on Tuesday and then you watch the, the Pro Invitational stuff on Sunday, it's actually the same graphics package. We're just swapping out iRacing logos for Fox logos. So when we did uh, the All-Star races and then the Coke Series finale last year on NBC, NBC was actually having to do all the graphics. It was their ticker. They had to have like some ghost machines running iRacing to get that data. And it was a big, big challenge. But the way it is now is for Fox, it's all iRacing running it. So if a Fox or an NBC wanted to pick up the Coke series, it would be kind of just uh, you know the, the, the red tape and, and coming to an agreement because it would be relatively easy for that to happen just like it happens on, on you know Sundays now. And uh, just as it's going to be happening next week, you mentioned uh, some of the NBC stuff, and uh, I'm sure you guys will talk about it as uh, uh, we announced the, the short track iRacing challenge today. Um, you know, everybody at iRacing has been so busy that they actually gave me a call and said, hey, can you organize this? event so uh, i've actually been the one going back and forth uh kind of the the de facto tyler hudson if you will um trying to i was you know getting the paints from the drivers and making sure the sponsors were happy and and hosting the the league on iRacing and getting the drivers involved so uh, we've got four good afternoons of uh, racing uh, monday tuesday wednesday thursday next week on nbcsn all at seven o'clock eastern time you won't see me you won't hear me because we've got uh, the nbc talent uh, taking over for that but uh just like uh, on Sundays, I'm uh, involved behind the scenes. So uh, busier than, uh, you know, it might seem on the outside. Well, that's great in this uh, age when you need work, you know, and stuff to do. So I'm glad you find something to do out there, Evan. Uh, it sounds like a blast to be involved in those kind of things. It is. It's cool to, you know, when we do the Fox stuff, um, you know, Drew obviously is, Drew Adamson's doing the, the producing on iRacing's end, but he's also on the phone uh, with Fox, and, and Fox is kind of letting him know, you know, when we got to get into commercial, and, and that's Mark Smith and everybody uh, at Fox, who's the Fox producer, and I'm on the phone uh, with them conference calling, so when a driver, you know, needs to get up, Fox is telling me, and, you know, we're kind of working, so it's cool to, to have that behind the scenes. Uh, you know, we're working with uh, you know, the guys at NBC, Jeff, and, and all of them who we worked really closely with to make the stuff in the fall happen um you know so i went to school for journalism journalism and media studies um so it's not just like the on-air stuff that i like like i did uh you know uh, producing television stuff at school and that kind of stuff so even when there's not always a booth opportunity available especially now with all the stuff happening uh you know my hand's always up i'm like you give me a task to do i'll jump in uh, and, and I'll help because I like kind of doing all those different roles. And I've learned a lot about iRacing in the last week, two weeks, I think, than, you know, maybe in, in the last three, four years combined, just with all the extra uh, stuff that I've kind of volunteered to take on and, and help out with and, uh, you know, just try to try to make things run smoothly. Because I tell you guys, those folks at the office are absolutely.
absolutely swamped with so much work and, and you've seen all of the the art updates come into to Texas last week and now Bristol now for Sunday's broadcast and uh, I'll be on the call for the the Saturday Night Thunder this upcoming weekend where we've got the Xfinity and truck and Arca and the you know the European and the Mexican series as well if drivers want to compete from those series they can race on Saturday so uh, it is all hands on deck, and that includes uh, even people that aren't uh, technically uh, part of iRacing. Yeah, yeah, and they're doing a great job, by the way, and make sure to let them know that that uh, it's been seamless. I mean, uh, there hasn't been mistakes, really, and, and iRacing has presented themselves very well. A ton of fun. I know that, uh, you know, right when it happened, there was a lot of community events, uh, and, and you know, there's still a lot of those happening and for the first week, people are like, well, iRacing, let's do something. And, and at that point, you know, I already known that there was uh, World of Outlaws stuff and, and NASCAR and IndyCar. And there are still, uh, that I can think off at the top of my head, that two more kinds of pro invitationals that are going to be happening next week. So not series that we have already seen uh, happen uh, that are going to be happening in the next week that are not public yet that I'm going to be uh, in the booth for and involved with. So... Uh, there is still a lot coming. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, – I can only tip my, my hat to them, and uh, certainly I hope that everybody uh, is appreciating uh, what iRacing is doing because I know that, you know, some of the drivers, uh, you know, when it comes to the Sunday stuff, want to get involved, and, and they maybe feel like they're being left out. But there's hundreds of drivers, dozens of, of leagues and, and, you know, series and uh, network television, Fox, NBC, streaming online, all these different people – uh, that all want things, and I think they're doing a really, really good job of accommodating everybody and uh, giving us all something to watch. Because if it's on a rare chance that I'm not involved in it, I'm uh, I'm tuning in on the TV and watching. So uh, they're really working hard, and I hope that everybody's been enjoying what's uh, happened so far and, of course, what is uh, still to come in these next few weeks. Evan, um, yeah. with the going back to what you were talking about, that uh, iRacing is, is involved in all this stuff, and then with the background with the... Um, the tele the tele televising it, um, and then having you know you have Fox and NBC they're they're doing all the stuff on the overlays with it. Did iRacing take it over that way just so that they can control their own brand, like it's so that it's it's easier because they saw this coming where they're going to have multiple things coming at them instead of trying to create ten different ways to work for all these different companies. All these companies have to work for them, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was easier, but as well, like when we did that stuff in the fall, it took like a month and a half to get NBC's equipment, which is not really made to pull data from iRacing, to get all of their stuff to be able to get the information from the sim. And at that point, the broadcasts were starting to get big enough to where, uh, you know, I, I we still have Race Spot doing, uh, technically it was a Race Spot broadcast when we did the qualifier last Sunday morning. And this Saturday's technically Race Spot behind the scenes, although it's just iRacing's branding. It's more so them controlling branding, but also just streamlining this. And thank goodness they did it over the, you know, the winter. Because if we had gotten to this point and Fox said, hey, we want to do this Pro Invitational Series, there was no way we were going to be able to get Fox's stuff to work you know, with the iRacing service, unless iRacing already had this broadcast studio and this this center set up at their new office and was ready. So I don't think they were expecting, obviously, this much to happen this quick, but it, it really ends up being very fortunate timing. Yeah, that was some great foresight, actually. Uh, and it kind of worked out because the I watched the dirt race and the IndyCar race and the IMSA race and all the stuff going on and all the different NASCAR stuff you're talking about. And 
it's just crazy that they're keeping up with it. And, and, and again, kudos uh, on, on the job. Uh, well done. So, uh, Evan, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about the Coke race and, and everything going on. Uh, and uh, looking forward to the next Coke race. Yeah, happy to uh, to give some insights, not only on, uh, of course, the stuff that happens on track, but as well kind of uh, how it's all happening uh, behind the scenes. And like I said, I'll uh, do my very best uh, to, to make room and, and always be here whenever you guys want to chat. All right. Thanks, Evan Pasoko. All right, let's jump on to the next topics. Uh, Chris, what's next? That's a good question because I wasn't caught up on the script. <laughs> uh, it's the NASCAR race, so let's talk actually, about that. Yeah. Yeah, I actually um, only got to see about the last 50 laps or so. I um, I scheduled my lunch break to see it, what I could of it. Um, it seems like they're learning. <laughs> it's getting better. Oh, yeah, I thought so. Let's talk about what happened before the race, though, leading up to it. Uh, we had uh, Al Geyer and Burton uh, were talked about in the uh, – Jeb Burton were talked about on Dale Jr.'s uh, web uh, – website at jrmracing.com talking about their uh, paints and getting our sponsors out there and this has become more and more a sponsorship driven uh, opportunity in fact i saw just a couple hours ago timmy hill announced a new sponsor for this coming virtual race this weekend and so it's just really turned into regular business well and you wonder and that's cool for Timmy Hill and you have to wonder when all this is over if some of that doesn't spill over into his real racing. I mean if he wins a couple more of these and the name's getting out there just like it would if he was you know, winning a real race and so he might end up with like a, a better real ride because of what he did in the sim. Well and if you think about it, the sim racing world there isn't a real risk for these companies to do it. The risk is giving their brand to somebody and maybe trashing it verbally but what's the actual there's no cost that could be a minor cost but it's not going to be what it is to put on a normal nascar right because there's no cost is it cheaper you know so that's a cheaper entry level for these sponsors but what also this does do okay so say that sponsor wants to come just into esports like yeah timmy hill um goes back to nascar and everything the world goes back to the way it was and iRacing still exists well you got coke drivers that could need sponsors you got all kinds of other things that they're looking for esports. It, it could bring it just into esports, or it could bloom somewhere else. Yeah. Next up was Wood Brothers Racing uh, did a kind of an article about what iRacing means to them and uh, why they got involved as the first uh, charter team in the Coke series. And uh, you know, part of their uh, what they think, you know, with the coronavirus and America kind of shutting down and, uh, you know, what's going on. And I thought it was a nice little article. Yeah, it was a pretty good read. And just kind of, um, I don't know, I didn't really, until reading this, I didn't really know that they had been kind of, you know, in the iRacing stuff for a while and had people that had been in this, you know, around. Right. And then we got a picture uh, leaked of the new Camaro nose. Uh, it actually uh, got leaked and... Uh, got put out last week in one of the patches i didn't know what this was i saw the update the other day when i when i first got on wednesday but and it was just for the the car but and now i know so is that is that is it just a visual thing it's visual you've got the new this 2020 nose on it because the cup car's got a new nose this year on the chevy new nose and and new data points i guess for the fenders or something that the car was more aerodynamic with the way that the fenders were designed 
on the rear or the quarter panels, but I don't know if the quarter panels made it into that uh, um, build. Okay, and then we've got different cup car paint templates because they have a name and car number badge, whatever, on the dash. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I noticed this when we were racing um, last night. It uh, And it kind of, like, the obviously my paint wasn't made for the sticker to be there. But even with that being the case, it still looks still okay. good. Yeah, it still has your name and the number and the colors were at least right. But that's a, that's a really cool thing to be adding for streamers and for, you know, streams of races. That way, when they pop into an in-car, you can easily see who's in it. Well, I think Bobby from our team, Bobby Jonas, called it right off the bat. He's like, it's definitely uh, uh, done for the televising because when you're at Homestead, you didn't know what car they were riding on when they went on board unless they were telling you on the broadcast. So now, you know, when they go on board, you know exactly where it's there on the broadcast. Yeah, my understanding is the broadcast of Fox drove this change. They asked iRacing to make the change. iRacing has done it. Now, this is the first time I know of that we've made a change to the SIM car that wasn't in the real car. Well, it's it's like having a sponsorship on the DAT. Like, it's, I don't think it's any different. The thing is, is I think it, the in real life, you know by what car you get in. Like, they place all those sponsorship things for the cameras perfectly in, so that you can see read them. So you kind of know which car you're riding on. Right. So it's similar. It's, this is, this is, these are all generic inside cars. Unless you let, they look at the driver and, you know, he's got a paint, you know, you recognize the driver's suit and stuff like that. But it's, it's kind of, it, the physical inside the car isn't the same as the outside um, part to recognizing in, in the sim. So when the real cup cars come back, my thought was we need to mandate this in the real cars too, just to make it consistent or it's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> uh, we got a picture of Reddick's rig. Uh, Tyler Reddick and what he's running. Uh, what did you guys think of his uh, his setup? He's got a pretty nice ultra wide monitor. That's really about. That's about the only thing I like about it, honestly. I mean, I'm, I like a lot of um, seven seats rigs, but this one I don't like having a computer mounted to your rig because that just seems like a lot of vibration. It's going to mess up your computer. And uh, man, there seems like there was one other thing that was kind of goofy about this rig, but it just I don't know. It's like the cheaper sim seat one. It's a yeah, small pro should have better. Right? Yeah, that could be it. That could be part of it. Like I said, maybe for an apartment or something. I, mean, I don't like having my computer on a rig where you're going to have all that vibration. If I was Tyler Reddick, I would have, you know, if he's buying this, I would have just gone for the full ultra wide one, the really bigger one there. But that's a nice, decent, it's probably what, a 32 inch. But I agree with uh, you, Chris. There's a lot of unneeded, with when you mount that sideways on top of something like there. It's not even the vibration. It's like, imagine where, like, where's the heat pointing out? Like, is it pointing out at the wall there? Is it pointing down at your feet? Is it pointing up? Good point. I mean, it's sideways, right? I've never, I, mean, I don't know about you guys. I've never liked mounting a, a, a computer down like that, but that's, I don't know. That's just me. Okay. Next up, uh, the mini documentary uh, that NASCAR put together on their YouTube channel about the uh, race. And from the previous week, and it's just kind of like all the social media video of all the NASCAR drivers and what they did before and during and after, uh, and just kind of all linked together uh, in like a seven-minute video. That was a really good video. This, this is like one you showed uh, somebody that doesn't know 
what the the simulation what's going on, is. right? Yeah, yeah, it was perfect for that. It kind of reminds me of what would be in a pre-race show, right? Like it'd be, you know, the first thirty minutes before a race, they would show something like that um, to get you caught up from previous weeks, right? Yeah. And then Troy Aikman was named Grand Marshal. And by the way, what was wrong with his eyeball? <laughs> I didn't catch the beginning of it. Yeah, he one of his eyes was like bloodshot red. Maybe he, maybe he had a popped eye, blood vessel or something. Yeah, look, that's what it looked like. Yeah. Hey, and then he practiced beforehand the way he was doing that race, and he blew a blood vessel. And then Bob Weir from the Grateful Dead performed the national anthem. I thought was cool too. Um, the other big announcement before the race was NASCAR has arranged to distribute the Pro Invitational Series eSports event to around 165 countries and territories worldwide across 25 different broadcast networks and 400 million TV homes. Holy Definitely. cow. The, the further this like, that we get into this, people staying home this could actually that number those numbers are going to start increasing of watching it's a lot uh, of goals on iRacing <laughs> well the global reach this is like formula one distribution guys this is big well they're trying to capitalize there's a lot of people at home there's a lot of people looking for something to do and and there's a lot of, there's a demographic and that they need to get a, you know you got to get younger people into it and, and you got to hold the older audience on too i guess but you got to get people excited about it. And the only way to do it is try and just flood the market. Well, that's exactly what's happening. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is their regular product of real racing, like the Daytona 500, that's not enough to get global distribution. It has to be an e-race to get global distribution, apparently. But it's like you said, it's all due to the coronavirus stuff and everybody's home. And, yeah, and iRacing is really it, right? That's all I've seen. Other That and horse racing. That is... Literally all I've seen. The like, Australian even... rug, I think it's Australian football is uh, is also the only other thing that's going on right now. Yeah, but they're so doing it's... it without fans. Yeah, it's the same as the horse racing. There's no nobody actually there. <laughs> so some of the countries, I'm just going to read off a handful. Czech Republic, Slovakia, Malaysia, France, Belgium, Turkey, India, Argentina, Colombia, Chile, Australia, Mexico, Russia, Bulgaria, Poland, UK, Portugal, Australia, Switzerland, Germany, that's only half of them. The other reason they're doing this is because iRacing isn't just NASCAR. Like, iRacing, you know, they have so many different disciplines here that could speak to somebody. They don't have to see this. They Okay, they go on the website and they see all these other things that you can do in it, and it, it, it helps. I don't know, maybe iRacing talks to them about doing this or something, too, because you can get a lot more subscriptions not to just come in and play Joe run the cup cars. You got all our other disciplines on there. They could do, especially for Europeans that want to race and things like that, that don't like ovals like we do. Right. Crazy. If think about it, I haven't heard about actual, uh, stats from the global side yet at all, but surely there was some impact there. The next big story before the race was Greg Biffle, is back, so he did get a ride. But my question is, what happened to Chris Buescher? Ouch. Ouch, right. <laughs> I mean, it's Chris Buescher's ride. He was uh, in the race last week, and now Biffle was in the race this week. I have a, I have a feeling, like, I was listening to some other podcast, and they were talking about that, you know, they're getting their ratings because they have the names of these drivers. They probably could have a lot more 
they were talking about the names that were missing from these things. So obviously adding Greg Biffle into it, he's a name that's been around for a long time. Like you have, you at least have Jeff Gordon broadcasting us. So that's a big name. You're missing guys though, like Harvick, Harvick. Truex, and uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like Truex sounds like he wants to race and it. Brad. And just can't. Like it surprised me. That, like I didn't realize. I thought all the Penske guys were were in it, and then I realized, oh, it was only Blaney. Because was Keselowski in the first one? Well, all three of them were. No, it was Brad and Joe. Uh, jo- Joey. Uh, Joey. Yeah, they were he in the first on one. Because he was on Joey was on TJ's rig. Right. But Joey isn't gonna. It doesn't sound like Joey's gonna get involved at all through the rest of it because he doesn't want to invest in it or whatever. Actually, I think he's supposed to come back next week because I think they on the Dale Jr. download. I think he uh, Junior C was losing a spotter again. Oh, okay. All right, so let's talk about the race. I'm going to go on a mini rant here. From an iRacer's perspective, if I was a driver in this race, I'd be fuming about why some wrecks cause cautions and other wrecks do not. When I watch this race, it reminds me of why I don't run leagues when the admins throw cautions for their friends. Now, with that in mind, I have no idea what the pressures are for Tyler Hudson and race control to hit a certain time frame, etc., I'm sure there's other considerations that we as viewers who happen to know intimately what and what doesn't bring out a caution. Ultimately, I think they need to hold a more pure line on when to throw and not throw a caution based on what NASCAR would normally do. So that's my rant. What do you guys think? I think what they need to do is if it like I know they were afraid from the first week, the amount of cautions that they did have. And it was just a feeling out process. It's the same with you know any racing on here with that has cautions. Some races go good, some don't. But I think what they need to do next time is err on the side of caution and throw them. Don't, don't you know they they let a car will spin and and be on the track in NASCAR and they'll throw the caution. So why anytime there's a car doing something, they probably should throw the caution unless he's way off the track and out of the way. Yeah, there's a couple of them that were really bad, but I I bet it'll be better next week. They probably like it was Mike said it was yeah, and it was probably something like they maybe didn't have the right person at the right button or something. But yeah, I'm sure that kink will get worked out. I mean, there were times where you would see on the broadcast them pile up in the back <laughs> and the track completely blocked and no caution, or it would be a delayed caution. It would like the caution should have came out and like. So one, two, you know, 10 seconds later, oh, there's the caution. That was like, was it the first one that should have come out? Like Kyle Busch was driving around with no front end after the wreck and everybody was way back. (laughs) I don't know. Let's talk good things now. Uh, The top 20 timing and scoring on the left side most of the time, that was awesome. Um, I thought that was missing a little bit in the previous race, and it looks like they might have heard me on that. But it was good to see uh, people that were coming and going just to kind of see where your driver was running kind of thing. Uh, I thought the in-car with the new label, uh, name label, and the number was a success. Um, like I said, I hope they add them to the uh, real cars. Uh, and there were green flag stops, man. We didn't expect that after seeing that first race, but there were. And uh, what was entertaining was them really squirrely getting on the pit road. They all did a hell of a job trying to get those cars straight on pit road. It that is one of the hardest things. Like I don't, I don't know what you guys feel, but in iRacing, 
green flag pit stops on old tires is probably one of the hardest things to get the car down if you want to do it quickly. Like if you just take your time and get on pit road and lose a whole bunch of time to somebody else, that's fine and get on pit road. But when you're trying to do it and actually get, you know, gain some time on somebody or try, it, it is really hard to get on it in an, into pit road and then off of it. Well, you know, these guys probably have their brake bias cranked way down too, because that's you know, there's probably not a whole lot of adjustments they can make to these fixed setups. So that probably didn't help help matters any. Yeah, and then Daniel Suarez was uh, in the '96 car. He was actually shown on screen trying to intentionally wreck another racer. I think it was uh, Dylan, and uh, he actually missed him and wrecked himself. And then immediately, race control D disqualified him like completely removed him from the server uh not like not even a minute later uh steve o'donnell the vice president of nascar tweeted out on his twitter uh sores to the virtual hauler i hope he gets relegated to the recent races next week i hope he's not a guaranteed in well i wanted to ask you about what does iRacing do about this this is kind of a protestable incident do they not do anything but unless somebody files a protest? And then on the other hand, it's, there's so many people that saw it. Surely somebody filed a protest just to, to see what would happen. Oh, I, I bet it's probably more in NASCAR's hands than iRacing at this point. They'll probably leave up to them what they want to do. But, yeah, he should put him on the back. shelf. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> it's got to be embarrassing to him. If that was such a terrible swing and a miss. Like, yeah, you don't wreck somebody on try to wreck somebody on a straightaway. That was dumb. You do it in a corner. Wait till they slow up and you pile it to him, idiot. It's hard enough to drive on that straightaway there, let alone wreck somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. It was so obvious, too. So that was interesting to watch. I think we've all seen it as iRacers, but to see it happen with these NASCAR people, I don't know. I think I, I, I kind of identified with it for, in some way or shape or form. See, the other thing is, is in, if, in real life, if, Suarez or uh, Dylan didn't have an on-car, and they got lucky they were on the track somewhere where no camera was looking at them. They could, he could maybe get away with doing it if it all of a sudden didn't get caught. But on iRacing, every car is logging data that you can go back at any point and watch it. Right, every replay is saved, yep. But it was actually shown live. I, Evan and those team, uh, or those teams that were doing the cameras got caught it live, actually. They've done a really good job of doing that, by the way, too. I'm catching that stuff and the cameras and the replays. Like, that's something that's hard to master on iRacing. And like, a lot of the pros that we have doing it for years still have problems with it. But All yeah, right. And it's also interesting to hear from Evan how it's done now, where it's done by iRacing. Yep. Pass for the win was Timmy Hill doing a bump and run on William Byron. It almost looked like, to me, Byron touched the apron ever so slightly. And Timmy was right on him for almost an entire lap, but he was right on the bumper. So I don't think it was intentional like uh, NASCAR and everybody afterwards kind of made it out to be as a kind of a bump and run. I think William kind of slipped. I honestly think that that's that feeling you get when you're driving, say, on one of the restrictor plate tracks and you're at the wrong angle on that right side and you kind of hook them just a bit. And I think that's what happened, and he was lucky that it didn't just shoot him right into the wall. But I, I, that was pretty much what I think it was what it was. It was a bump, but I think it was Netcode doing the bump, not actually. I don't think he was physically fully on him. Yeah, somewhere I saw a replay. Um, 
of the Timmy Hill on board. And, dude, he is ruthless, though. I mean, he was right on his bumper coming out of th- through three and four all the way down the front and into one before they made contact in two. I mean, he was within two or three inches. I mean, so if he had slipped at all, he was going to get him. Yeah, and well, who was it that was behind him, too? Because that was the thing, man. He was right up on... Well, he had to go. It was go time. Yeah, and you know, if we, I can't remember who it was behind him after Timmy Hill made that pass, but they couldn't duplicate that. I mean, they couldn't get up on him like he was on Byron. So, yeah, he he won that race. Uh, what's his name? That other e, that other race. Um, I can't think of his name now. He's the one that's been... Smithley. Involved. Yeah, Smithley. Yeah, yeah good run with him. That, yeah, he would have done the same thing if he could have got to it. He couldn't. Yeah, well, look at all the publicity this week that it's been going on. The, Timmy Hill's been talk, been talked about all week. Yeah, that's food on his plate, that little bumper. <laughs> and what a fine young man Timmy Hill is. Uh, former Coke driver, uh, obviously a NASCAR driver, but really able to showcase his talent when he's never had the right ride to actually do it. Um, I would say even now, uh, you just you know, not, doesn't have the right ride in a real car, but even on the sim, he has probably the cheapest setup of anybody else out there racing. Yeah. Uh, well done, Timmy. Uh, he does represent iRacers well, I think, uh, and a wheelman for sure. Uh, I also thought it seemed like the iRacing veterans migrated to the front of everybody else. So if you looked at the running order at the end, the people in the top 10 to 15 were people that are involved in iRacing. And people that are new to iRacing, they were behind that group. It really did play out that way. Yeah, I think you're going to keep seeing that, too. I mean, the, the guys that are, I mean, I, it is a, a skill, and these guys have been doing it for a long time, and they're going to keep rising to the top. And I think you'll, I think Byron will definitely be one of the ones that is going to be hard to beat every single week because he's an eye racer and a real racer, best of both worlds. He's going to be tough. He's yes. worried about this week. So uh, that was Timmy Hill's 674th eye racing win. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. We also had some post-race coverage. Let's go through that. Uh, we heard from Vince Welch some that the camera people for uh, iRacing, one is in California and the other is actually in Australia. thought that was interesting. Uh, well, we had the a, best thing about this is you can be anywhere and, and do it, right? Right. Internet's pretty awesome, huh? And then uh, a nice uh, NASCAR.com article uh, about... Uh, you know, Timmy Hill, it has that on board if you want to see it that I was talking about. And like I said, ruthless, man. I don't think I would even do that going for the win, but he was he was trying to get to him. Uh, driver reactions uh, on Instagram. Uh, NASCAR on Fox uh, put up video of all the drivers, you know, giving their kind of post-race interview. And then what about radioactive, guys? It blew up. I found five different radioactives. I didn't get to listen to it this week, man. I really, I want to hear. How did they, it was like another seven minute clip of like their iRacing chat. I want that chat all the way through it because it's got to be the best ever. Yeah. So EG O'Rourke uh, on a YouTube put up one like he did before, and, and it's kind of an unofficial one. And uh, I kind of like his the best because he doesn't focus on certain things, he just covers whatever is happening in the race. Uh, and then Fox, NASCAR on Fox put together one. Uh, Dirty Mo Media put together one that was kind of focused on Dale. Uh, and uh, who else? Denny Hamlin actually put together one too. 
<laughs> NASCAR and Fox one at the beginning when now the drivers are getting ready and doing their little thing. Bowman still cracks me up. He's like, people aren't taking me seriously. He's got sponsors logos on his head. Right. He's been uh, kind of entertaining on the social media throughout this thing. I think um, Freddie Kraft said that he thought Bubba Wallace would be radio sweetheart this week. Was he on there a lot? Oh, yeah. We heard, yeah, from Bubba for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's not shy to be on the mic. Other media I heard uh, post-race was uh, Jeff Gluck's podcast, The Teardown. And uh, he's covering it like any other NASCAR race. All these media are. And I tell you what, the first thing that Jeff Gluck talks about on his podcast is the caution flags and what I was talking about, where it, 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 when you have a, somebody like Jeff Gluck even notice it, and he's not in iRacing at all, it's bad. I mean, they got to fix that. Well, the good thing is, is they, you know, he draws attention to it, so it's something that they can learn from, right? Yeah, and so he certainly noticed that the cautions weren't coming out when they should be in certain situations and, you know, based on his experience in NASCAR, and he kind of, you know, talked about it. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, The other thing that we saw was an uh, article from uh, West Virginia Gazette, uh, Ryan uh, Pritt, uh, who's uh, obviously on the beat reporter over there, uh, wrote up a little kind of a nice little article about uh, his perspective of watching these races. And he kind of uh, gives a play-by-play of how it went down at his house while he's watching NASCAR. Kind of a kind of fun. And then Bagley from MRN, Mike Bagley, uh, put out on Twitter uh, his points tally. I don't know where he got it, but uh, somebody's keeping points because apparently iRacing isn't. I actually went and looked. I couldn't find the series to see if there were series points. But uh, the points are Timmy Hill, Dale Jr., Garrett Smithley, Ryan Priest, Alex Bowman in the top five, and then Landon Castle, Denny Hamlin, Parker Kligerman, and Matthew Denebeto, Clint Boyer, 10th. And Timmy's leading by four points. When I was reading that, I'm like, really? Clint Boyer's been in everything. I mean, he's like the best in-race broadcaster, though. Yeah, stats, uh, we heard an average of 638,000 homes, 903,000 viewers tuned into the race, making it the most watched linear esports broadcast in history. 1.6 million unique viewers watched the broadcast for at least six minutes. Uh, Viewers tuned in for an average of 59 minutes, more than half of the 112-minute broadcast. Then the broadcast also exposed NASCAR to new viewers, bringing in 255,000 viewers who have never watched a NASCAR Cup Series this year. That sounds like a lot. So if you're saying the average person was for 59 minutes, so that would be, it was like, what, an hour and a half race? I don't remember how long that's, yeah. So you're thinking people came in because, oh, somebody's like, oh, go turn this on. It's on right now kind of thing, right? You know, somebody's saying, oh, they left it on that. And then they just left it on. That's the thing. They didn't change the channel. That's a lot to get somebody's attention for an hour these days. That's for sure. That's saying something for them. Well, and and who would thought that what you're watching isn't, you know, is, is it's real people with, you know, simulated stuff. Like, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling when you actually think of all this stuff that's been going on the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and then uh, JRM Motorsports, JR Motorsports, uh, they published... 
some additional information. Uh, it says, where did it go? Uh, here it is. Social media. Uh, the most, uh, see, the March 22nd event was the most social TV program of the day on Twitter, generating 217,000 interactions and 912,000 video views just on social media. So the, the numbers are nuts, guys. They're both blowing up. Um, I can't remember what it was the the week before either, but I mean, I'd say a big, big jump. I imagine we'll probably see the same this week, especially with it being Bristol. Short track time. Let's talk IndyCar next. Greg. So we're going to start off with the pre-race stuff here. Uh, four-time Ray Alfala posted on his Facebook page that he was, you know, doing some training with uh, training uh, seven-time to get ready for uh, a race uh this weekend at Watkins Glen, I guess, and Jimmy uh, Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, and <laughs> enjoying uh, some taking some laps. So obviously, that photo was taking that we've got here on our thing was uh, pre-build because that doesn't have an arrow screen on it. Yep. Um, but uh, speaking of that, going into the next article into the pre-race stuff, uh, the new release of the arrow screen on the IndyCar, and oh man. I don't know about you guys, but I really like the way that these cars look. This is probably one of the nicest additions to the cars. Like, I always thought everyone's kind of, like, has different opinions on what they think of this aero screen on an open cockpit car. But I I just really think that as a safety precaution, the best-looking thing that they, they could done, they did do on these cars. Yeah, it does make it look real sporty to me. I just love the look of it. It's like a it futuristic like a, feel. Yeah, it looks like a rocket. I can't wait for the Indy 500 to see these uh, cars at Indy. I think it's just going to be magical. Beautiful cars. Um, now, this one, I missed this announcement here, Mike. Uh, so at the Road to Indy announced iRacing series. So that's... Um, yeah, racer.com. So basically, it was just Jimmy Johnson's going racing in the Indy car series. Um, they're promoting it. No, what I mean oh. is uh, they're having a different thing where... Uh, so the development platform uh, for IndyCar will return to v- racing virtually uh, starting Saturday, uh, March 28th. Uh, they're having the IndyCar iRacing Challenge, as they call it. And uh, it's a total of 30 Road to Indy drivers who will mix it up with a few veterans as four team owners and former drivers have entered the fray, including Ricardo Junkos of Junkos Racing, David Martinez of DE Force Racing, Peter Dempsey of Term 3 Motorsport, and Lewis Meyer um, of Legacy Autosport. Uh, they're also going to have Rob Howden, the official voice of Road to Indy, uh, doing commentary. Okay, so now I understand. I, like, I've missed this whole announcement until now. So it's it's basically like the, our, our oval Road to Pro. Now you got the Road to Pro Indy then. Well, it's just their feeder series, so to speak. Yeah. Okay, I, I kind of mixed it in here with an, another yeah. article. That's why I got it wrong. Yeah, they're going iRacing like everybody else. It's crazy. Awesome. I, it's it's just more more eyeballs again and more things to just... There's so much content that is going on. It, it's kind of crazy how iRacing is juggling all this stuff. So the race was Saturday. Man, I, I'll put my comments first. I loved it. Typical IndyCar race, I thought. It could have been longer, uh, so we could have had some pit strategy. Um, that would have been the only thing I'd wish for. But with the call from familiar voices like Diffie, Bell, and Paul Tracy, 
it was so familiar. I mean, it was just amazing. And my comment at the end was, we need full course caution. So now I kind of had the same feeling to you. The only thing that kind of I, I like the uh, Diffie Bell and Tracy in the the style that they did it. And I know with obviously logistics and things that's going on right now, we shouldn't have people in the studio or together. Even the one with the way they do it with the NASCAR start, it, it is kind of infringing on how close they should be in the studio together. But it did have a little bit of a different feel knowing that they were in one, one was in his home, one was in his other home across, like, you know, on two different sides of the state, like, uh, uh, you know, all away from each other. It, it kind of had a little bit of a different feel to it to me than what the NASCAR is. But obviously it's their first race. They were doing it a different way. It was, they're learning some stuff on it. Yeah, absolutely. But it was good. And it felt to me like a normal race. I kind of got tired in the middle and, you know, was, <laughs> but uh, what about Sage Karam? And I actually called it Sage Karam was going to win that race because he is the iRacer and he's on one of the good teams too. Well, and the thing is that whole race kind of reminded me of a typical, if you took all the names out of it and just had a normal indie race, it kind of reminded me of any normal indie race. Um, with the way it played out, you, you, cars broke away. There was kind of some passing. There wasn't a lot of stuff. But then, you know, a guy would go for a pass and blow the corner and then wad them both up and maybe take a couple other cars. There were some unneeded accidents. But I do agree with you. It would have been nice to have some caution actually force the passing. Yeah. Uh, post-race, uh, NBC Sports did a... Uh, very similar kind of driver interview post-race website with a bunch of videos from all the various drivers and what they thought about what happened. And I, that was pretty cool to check that out. Um, and uh, Code Brown for our winner, Sage Karam, uh, he actually put up on his Twitter his in-car of a video where a, a lap car in front of him spun literally right in front of him and he almost got collected. It was so close. Did you notice in when he's looking straight at that car when it's sideways, he has this quick moment where he thinks about going right and then all of a sudden goes to the left. It's like, you know, I probably, in his situation, I'm going straight for that car probably, by the way. It's it's happening so fast. But he has this moment where I just see that the thinking about going right and then he goes left and actually picks the right route. And it's those re- reflex uh you know, he's races online so much, he knows, you know, by instinct what to do, you know, and that's why he's so freaking good. Yeah, it's, I, I honestly don't, you know, they're going to keep going to each one of these tracks, and I honestly don't think there's anyone you probably shouldn't be betting on, but he, he should be obviously the, I would say he's probably going to be the hard one to take out for the rest of these races. He's going to be the winner, probably, well, if they don't. Felix kept him pretty honest. He's pretty much stayed close. But it, I never. If you never saw Sage, uh, it's like he almost was maintaining. He was saving tires and he was maintaining that gap. Maintaining the, the gap, right? Just riding. So I don't know if he was actually giving. He looked pretty calm in his in car and, and and on his stream and stuff like that. So, you know, he, these guys are so good. Like me and you could, and, and, and I, we couldn't save tires and, and try and maintain a gap. I I would be trying my hardest and probably blowing the tires off of it. Stats uh, were published 600,000 views, and that's online only. That wasn't on t- television. So that's that's good numbers. I mean, I, I've seen IndyCar races in the past not get 600,000. 
And well, and like they said, the, the whole craziness around this is that AeroScreen's debut, its first debut is online and, and being watched. That's virtually. true. I didn't realize it never, that. It was never, we never got to see an IndyCar race with it raced in yet. Right. St. Pete never happened. No. And who knows if we'll see it this year? Like, how long into the season is this, you know, what's going to happen going to go? Then uh, we got news of IndyCars coming back. Yeah, it's good to see that it's going to be back next Saturday, um, and they're going to be from a Barber Motorsport Park in Alabama, so the Honda Indy of Grand Prix of Alabama. And, yeah, it's going to be televised by NBC uh, Sports. Is that S- SN is uh, Sports? Yep, 2.30 Eastern. So, yeah, 2.30 Eastern, and it'll be good to see this. This now added to a broadcast schedule, so you got – Okay, now you know what you're gonna do on Saturday, and now you gotta know what you're doing Sunday, and, and it's really nice it's to like see. Like back all to normal. Yeah, it's you know for me, like I'm a huge sports fan in general, but I mean racing is one of my passions, and I miss sports crazy right now. And this stuff right here kind of just kind of kind of makes things seem a little bit better. Yeah, The Verge covered it. Uh, USA Today did a feature article about IndyCar going to NBCSN. Um, it's going to be a good show. I'm excited to see how Sage does. Well, and that's a tough track, so it'll it'll be a um, it'll be a good race. So I, I'm I look forward to. I'll have that. You know, the nice thing is now it's on TV. You can PVR it too if you're going to miss it. Good point. Okay, Chris, let's keep the fun going. World of Outlaws Sprint Car. Uh, yeah, our um, iRacing World of Outlaws NOS Energy Sprint Car World Championship race at Lernerville this week was um, on Dirt Vision, which is really cool. And uh, it was the same race that we would normally watch. Um, I wish I would have looked more into how the race went and who won it. Um, I didn't. I don't even know who won that race because I was more interested in um, the race they had before that. Uh, but at seven o'clock, they usually have the our World Outlaws race at nine. At seven that night, they had a late model race and brought in, I believe Larson was in that, and they brought in some other uh, real life dirt guys, including uh, Scott Bloomquist, who is well. When I started watching this stuff twenty years ago, he was the old kind of. He was the guy to beat. <laughs> Yeah, he was a guy to beat, and he was also kind of a dick, and he was, uh, but also drove the, the coolest car, and still probably does drive the coolest car out there. And uh, but he was in the race. Um, he did make the main sh- main event. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. He did that much of a show, but he put up a a video um, after he had practiced some laps and talked about how much fun it was. And I don't know that you could get. Uh, a higher praise than what you could from him because like i said he's the last guy i would expect to even get on the sim and the fact that he did and had so much fun doing it i mean it, that's just high high praises i think now i watched some some dirt racing here on fox sports one i think it was wednesday before the nis race but it was it was awesome i mean adam alexander clint boyer uh they had kyle larson in studio but racing on the simulator in the studio, uh, Christopher Bell uh, ra- in the race as well, and man, to see Christopher Bell and uh, Kyle Larson mixing it up there, and and uh, the racing was great at Lernerville. I I mean, it was the first time I think I've seen that track 
uh, broadcast like that. They don't have a wall. It's just a lip of dirt. And you can actually go over that lip and just kind of go out and never land. But uh, great racing uh, outside, inside. And Christopher Bell, again, showing off his huge talent to ride the cushion on dirt. And that's how he was just like pumping it on the outside. And man, I was just so entertained. Yeah. So that Wednesday night, you're getting your races crossed. That was actually at the Charlotte um, dirt track. Oh, is that what that was? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was great racing. And you can kind of, you could kind of see that that 720p limit of the Fox um, broadcast in that one. I thought um, Jeff Gordon was talking before the race how how wonderful it looked, and I was thinking, man, it looks better <laughs> on my computer. But but yeah, in the broadcast, like, you're right. I was, what um, perfect people to have in the booth. I mean, Gordon's been great through all this stuff. I don't know if he's really having as much fun as it sounds like he is, but he's been great. And he had sprint car experience, and then you had Boyer, who had experience in the late models. I mean, it was a, they both did a great job and perfect broadcast team. Yeah. And then Ron Caps, the NHRA drag racer, he was in the race and uh, David Gravel and Brad Sweet. And like you said, Bloomquist and all these big names from Dirt. Uh, I, I thought it was a great show. I loved it. Yeah. And I thought the biggest story was probably Kevin Swindell because he was racing. And I, I, I should remember which race it was, but. Um, uh, he can't use his legs, and so he was racing. He's back, you know, in the in these cars with hand controls, and and had a pretty decent race too. So that it was just really really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Gibson calling the races. I mean, he is he's the the voice of dirt racing. I mean, it, it was it was spectacular. Like, so the, yeah, that, that was a nice touch. Yeah, it was it was great. Like the only thing I would I complained about really would probably be the. The, the quality, like so I really wish we could have seen it in a higher quality because it, it really didn't showcase what iRacing truly has for dirt. At first, I was like, oh, how how is this going to work? Adam Alexander and Clint Boyer are going to do play-by-play? I didn't think it was going to work because they don't know who the people are. But then they brought in that guy, Johnny, who is, like you said, the voice of World of Outlaw. And it, it was kind of neat the way they covered the race is they let him talk during the racing action and cover the, the actual racing. And then on cautions, it would go into a kind of a commentary, kind of a fun discussion between Adam and Clint and Kyle. Yeah. And another thing to make note of, you saw how well um, Kyle did, Kyle Larson. He apparently had no engine noise in his rig. And so he was trying to drive a dirt car without engine noise. And um, Boyer made a comment that he's hoping he gets that stuff straightened out because I guess he's had a lot of audio issues during his races as well. That's got to be impossible. You can't hear the pitch of the engine, so you don't know what. Yeah, it's got to be hard. Yeah, I couldn't. I don't know how he did. I don't know how he he kept it going in the right direction. But yeah, he so he he ran that well, like top three and top five in both of those cars all night without being able to hear his engine. Here's the thing that blew me away about Christopher Bell winning that sprint car race. He he did it in the way that he does it in real life. He's got that signature style, so to speak. And it, it came across in the virtual race. You could see, you could tell by just looking at the track, Hey, that is Christopher Bell by the top way he's running. Yeah. And I wonder if Larson wouldn't have been up there with him too, if it wasn't for the technical difficulty, because he said that he couldn't run the top. And I was, that was what I was thinking. I'm like, Bell is doing it just fine. And he wasn't quite up there on that cushion like Bell was. And that's probably why. 
Yeah, and then Trent Ivy won the late model race. Uh, I didn't see the end of that, but uh, I really enjoyed the sprint car race. And uh, looking forward, so uh, Fox Sports every Wednesday is going to run these or other events on Wednesday nights. This is going to be an ongoing thing. Okay, let's keep going. Next story, I'm going to try to become a pro sim racer. Uh, what does it cost to get started? And uh, we got a uh, thedrive.com uh, put up an article. If I can find it, there it is. And this uh, guy who writes this long article basically talks about how to get started, uh, you know, as far as getting a computer, building one, buying one, uh, wheel and pedals, you know, where do you want to start out? He talks about the different graphics cards and pricing. Uh, it's really uh, a great read for somebody who's trying to get involved in, in iRacing for the first time. Um, this is one of the better articles I've seen on it. So if you have new people come into the sim, guys, uh, send them over to thedrive.com and find that article. Uh, it's got some great stuff. Okay, Greg, uh, we got another tidbit, first week of June. Well, everybody that's been waiting for it, uh, it sounds like it's coming. Uh, I guess this post that we have is from NASCAR on NBC's Twitter. Um, North Worksboro Speedway. Uh, a track that has been sat mostly uh, has been sitting since 1996 is coming to iRacing. I guess they announced on it, but we already knew about that. But this is the first we've heard that uh, it sounds like it'll be ready for the June build, um, yep. as per Steve Myers. Yep, it'll be in the June build, according to Steve. They got a quote from him, so hashtag soon. That'll be fun. I think if I remember, it's a pretty wide short track. <laughs> yeah, the other thing. Oh, sorry. No, the other thing that's hashtag soon, uh, Chris, was uh, work on the damage model for the A car. Um, so, well, actually, this article was about the tires. So, um, there's yeah, they have a lot of uh, stuff that they're trying to kind of rush out the door for um, these NASCAR races, and one of them is tire limits. And so, um, oh, that's Gardner, right, tire limits. Yeah, Tony Gardner did um, post up say so he said some progress. Two engineers working on the their parts for this project, but being juggled with a few other things that have to be done by then. Hopefully soon. We know it's a big request. So I mean, I, I mean, I, <laughs> we're gonna get some benefit from this stuff. Some of these things are gonna get rushed out to us really quick, and that's nice. And some um, we're primarily racing we those cars. Yeah, yeah, it could be. We could have a lot more um, kind of quick shutdowns like today with the emergency bug fixes as they're trying to rush this stuff out the door, but. Yeah, kudos to them. They man, they have got to have their hands full. I'm a kind of mixed uh, feelings about tire limits. Uh, you know, I just say as long as we do whatever the real life counterparts counterparts do, uh, as long as we match that. They have they have tire limits. It's just they never seem to, well. Goodyear never makes a tire soft enough to get to that point. They had. I was watching on one of the rewinds of one of the races from years ago. The, the race that um, uh, the big fight with Jeff Gordon and Brad Keselowski, that race is the last race that's been there for a while where teams ran out of tires. They gave them one more set, and then they ran out of that set, and some guys had to go back to going to scuffs uh, for the end of that race. Well, the, their races are short enough here. I don't even know that the tire limit is that big of a deal, and it seems like it's just something else that they're going to have to juggle when they're trying to learn the sim. But I think it's almost more of a perception thing. Like when you're on TV, you don't want to see these guys have 10 cautions and take 10 sets of tires, you know? 
pit every you know five five laps pit five laps yeah. pit yeah so the next article is the one about the damage model denny hamlin on twitter actually uh was saying how fantastic it would be if we could get it in the cup car uh referring to the knn video of the new damage model steve myers replied guys have been burning the candle on both ends to get the cup cars ready asap after watching how you guys enjoy wadding up these pixel cars so from what that sounds like it is going to be a hot fix not a yeah they're rushing you know, that out yeah the other thing if you notice denny hamlin has been in a lot of the pushing forward things that he's been trying to um you know get like didn't he make a comment about the cars when they get airborne they feel like they're only 200 pounds when they should be heavier yep like yeah. I, I totally agree with what his comment there was. Like he seems to be very, it's like he was very distant from iRacing, racing, and then all of a sudden this has brought him back to where he was when he was like, in his time. NASCAR two thousand three times days, right? He's got time to focus on it now. Yeah, it's cool to have Denny involved like that. Let's keep moving. Uh, Greg Supercars has news. So uh, the Supercars uh, is going to run a series. Uh, they have their official sponsor for the BP Fuels um, signed on as the title sponsor for the All-Star East Series. Um, uh, it, so what it is, is it's a, per the agreement, it's actually a 10-round championship uh, uh, race that uh, I guess it'll be the BP Supercar All-Stars East uh, e- e- Series. Um, all 25 Virginia, Australia, um, Virgin, Aust- Virgin Australia Supercar Championship drivers will take part via the iRacing platform. That's awesome. Both of them. So now they've got all of them. So now you're going. See, now we're going across the pond now to do all this stuff, right? Like what I like about what Supercars did is they're putting all their drivers in. It's mandatory. Everybody does it. I wish NASCAR would have done that with their Pro Invitational. See, I think this seems like it's more because it's sponsored by, I think that's their sponsor in Supercar Series anyways, right? So that's their title sponsor. I'm guessing this could be owner-driven, right? Like, you're told to do it. Yeah, and it's going to be broadcast on Fox Sports, KO, 10 Play, and Sky Sports New Zealand, as well as streamed as well. So the first round is April 8th um, at the iconic uh, Phillip Isle. Um, so that'll be, that'll be awesome. Okay, let's keep moving, Chris. We had a record amount of people. Yeah, a tweet um, Sunday by Trading Paints, and uh, they noted there were 16,000 people on the sim. At the same time. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, the, with that little ticker, it's at the bottom of your screen when you're at the website. And, uh, man, this is going to be a lot higher. I mean, it's just going to, we're going to keep setting record numbers. This is going to be way higher over the weekend. This was Sunday. And I looked uh, when we started the podcast, this is around 8.30 on a Thursday, and we were flirting pretty close to that number. So, yeah, come this weekend, we'll break 20,000. We're at 14.5 now. Yeah, yeah, see. So through 2019, I want to say the number was always like three or 4,000. I can't remember ever seeing double I'm, digit, or like 10,000 even. Can, it, can you even like on a, like a NIS, like a... a right, I, you're right. It floats around like five three to five thousand a lot of the time like it, that's what it, the normal was for the longest time yeah our big our indy 500s are um you know our 24 hour race i don't remember ever seeing it getting anywhere like i said even we're close to that i love it it's crazy all right let's keep moving uh D- daniel zach put up in the forums the obvious question 
throwing an idea out there that maybe it's been thought of, but I wonder how an exhibition race would look with 20 iRacing eNASCAR Pro Coke Series drivers versus 20 real-life NASCAR drivers. And, uh, and dis- you know, discussion take place accordingly. Uh, we actually did get a response from Keegan Leahy, who's one of those Coke drivers. He said, we do the practice races. Last one I was in, I had William Byron fighting for the lead. Then the rest of the top 10 was all the iRacing Coke pros. Hate to say it, but we would stink up the show. But it would be nice to have at least one representative from our Coke series in there, like last year's champion Zach Novak, or maybe our current points leader Bobby, uh, or even myself. So what do you guys think? Uh, would that embarrass the NASCAR drivers to get beat by these guys? Uh, it would. It would be a terrible show. Yeah, I agree with them. They would just the. It would be the iRacing guys in the front and the NASCAR guys in the back. It's just, it's, you've seen it with the few we do have. Yeah. Yeah. The few we do have, like, you know, Dale Jr. comes out of retirement and they're running top fives. I mean, the, the, those guys are going to rise to the top. It wouldn't be much of a show. And Dale and Denny and those guys have said as much, too. They said, hey, these guys are better and we know it. Yeah. Our, I mean, the iRacing guys deserve that, that TV time, but yeah, it just wouldn't be a good show. But they're going to have, I mean, they got, the people that are watching this are going to figure out that the guys run the E-Series can put on a better show. You know, we had in the, the E, whatever it's called, Coca-Cola Racing Series this year, we've had probably, what, less cautions in the entire season than what they had in our race this weekend or the first race. Right. Yep. All right, well, let's keep moving. Oh, go ahead, Greg. No, well, I was just going to say that I think if you compare it to anything, like if you took these NASCAR drivers and took them and swapped them with IndyCar drivers or put the NASCAR, put 20 NASCAR drivers or 20 uh, IndyCar drivers and swapped them back and forth in between the Cup and IndyCar series, you'd have the same thing. It would it look the same, right? Like it, you're right, but Keegan Leahy and the 11, right. Your discipline is your discipline, right? Like Kyle Busch has probably shown the most versatility as a driver over the years, but he's still running ovals and things like that. It's not the fact of switching series to series. Yeah. Yeah, put Keegan in the uh, Denny Hamlin FedEx 11 and put him out there and see how he does. You know, it'd probably be the other way around. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, a great video. I love this one, Chris. I put it up on our chat, I think, a couple times because it's so unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and I, where's this at? Where's this bus stop at? I think it's Daytona. <laughs> yeah, but so uh, Matzel89. Um, tweeted up um, these any cars going into the bus stop with this new damage model. Every single car goes into the bus stop. Not a single car goes out, comes out. So you just have a a, a pile of uh, new damage model wreckage. Like the entire field piles in, like Every literally. Single. And nobody, and you see this wreck happening, and not a single one of them thinks to go straight and avoid this penalty. They just all plow right into it. It's spectacular. The best car is a third or fourth car. You from the end ends up going over top of like almost all the cars. <laughs> King of the mountain. Well, obviously, uh, yeah, they did it intentionally, but it worked, and I was like, "Wow, nobody drove out of that." <laughs> I was like, "Was it that? That makes more sense." I'm like somebody had to be able to miss this. <laughs> I like the and we have a caution as one of the tweets. <laughs> all right, uh, next up, Greg, a hot fix number one, and several other patches. 
Before we go to that, do you think NASCAR would have thrown the caution for that? <laughs> you think Tyler Hudson would have? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler. We're not beating up on you. Just a little. All right. <laughs> the uh, hot fixes, they're coming within the last, what, seven or eight days here going back and forth. Um, so the first hot fix, uh, I'm not sure which day that came out, but um, it had a couple minor things that it did. Um, this was the one to fix or do a bunch of the stuff with the cup cars. So that was updating the setups. This was also doing the dash thing for it. And then some minor fixes with the pace car. Um, and I guess something with the, t the Toyota Tundra from the uh, truck side. So that one's based on the broadcasting part of it, I guess. Right. Um, so then we go to, I guess we call it, is this, we call this one patch three and the first one was catch one, but this was a bigger patch um, that had almost all the cars. There was a lot of cars in this one that had minor fixes to certain things uh, that I guess that have shown up on them. So a lot of it uh, was fixed there. There was a couple. Uh, Bristol was a big signs. change. Yeah, so Bristol's uh, got some advertising signs of change. The, uh, what do they call it, the Colossus Yep. was added. So that's their screen that sits in the center with the cables on it, not uh, what what's the old one. It was a tower before. On right? a pole, yeah. So now we got uh, there's new track logos of the start finish line. Cameras have been changed, uh, and then the biggest and probably the most asked for thing since Bristol came to this sim, and they did it was the single pit lane. Um, I meant to ask you, what did you think of that watching it on the broadcast um, that, the other night, Mike? Well, it looked like a real NASCAR, you know, pit stop exchange because they it, it matches the net, real NASCAR rules now. It kind of threw me off visually to see the little blue line that uh, is kind of visible. I think they need to hide that for the broadcast. Yeah, it's. I think that was. They're just trying to get that in so that it was. It's there, right, for Bristol, right? It's amazing how quick they got. They fixed it when they realized NASCAR needs to go to Bristol. <laughs> yeah, you you noticed that too, eh? <laughs> it's amazing how the, all these quick fixes seem to be done. Like I, I said to Chris before uh, you came in to the chat there before we started the podcast, Mike, I'm more a paying customer. And just because the way the Sim's gone, they've, they've done a great job at taking their time. I'm worried that some of these things are going to throw off um, some, you know, make some problems that are going to come up. And, and, the, and Chris said it there, but like they're the hot fix probably more prevalent. I wonder if there's someone at iRacing trying to figure out how to spray PJ1 on the track. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> you're probably not. You're probably right. That. You can just see Kramer in his office spraying it on his desk trying to... <laughs> oh, that would be funny. With a, with a tire right beside it trying to figure out the compounds. That's classic. Yeah. Now, this one kind of came up all of a sudden for today. Uh, who was it that was racing this afternoon that said this cost them a win? One of our teammates cost us this... Tony Rochette. Adam or Tony? It Tony yeah. yeah. It was Tony. So... Um, he was racing, and all of a sudden he got booted because there was an emergency hotfix for the... Uh, it's just a small one for Rally Car, or the Rally Cross Racing, just to fix a, a, a minor issue in there, and then to fix the Audi R8 LMS setup. Kind of weird, but... Well, I think Rally Cross wasn't working at all, and they had to, like, take the system to down do to fix it, yeah. Okay. Because I was going to say... It's an emergency. It could have been at any time for the Audi... 
Yeah, I guess if there's a whole section of iRacing that's not working, yeah, it's kind of worthy for it. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, interesting picture from Johnny Downey in the forums. He put up a picture of his uh, truck at Bristol practicing with no tires on the truck, literally. And he's up on the track, and uh, there's the truck, but, yeah, no tire, no rubber on it. Did he ever report his tire wear after that run? <laughs> Good. I wonder what percentage it is, yeah. I like the uh, staff member, uh, Nick Leap. Uh, did you do a two- or four-tire stop when you noticed the issue? He's probably serious. It probably makes a difference. <laughs> just funny. Some of those things really crack me up because people at this time, like just with everything going on, you need a good laugh. All right, Chris, and we got a deal for all the new drivers. Yeah, half off your membership. So, you know, there's a lot of people looking to sign up for the sim, and it's a perfect time with 50% off new memberships. And uh, I have a buddy that I'm trying to get on the sim, and he's trying to clear it with financial, a.k.a. his wife. And so I sent this to him, and hopefully it helps. But how right. it's only half price. <laughs> exactly. What a deal. Yeah, get on there. All right, Greg, uh, kind of a tongue-in-cheek uh, funny video put out on April Fool's Day by Dinner with Racers. Well, move over iRacing. Uh, E-Racing is coming with their new 2.0 update for pros so this i don't know i remember this video from last year and i i cracked up when watching this because the production value on it is it's kind of a low but really funny low budget and they're so serious about it, it is one of the best april fools racing things i've seen and the detail that they put into it I mean, I don't know if I could go that long making up a joke like this. Like, what did you guys think of this whole thing? Because this one's focused on making sure that the pros don't whine about losing to NASCAR guy, or to, like, the eSports e guys. It, it's cr quite funny how far they go into it. Yeah, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek, you know. Uh, it has, like, a part where where you can, you know, walk away from the car kind of fast and mad and the media following you, asking you questions, and you ignore them. And there's a special little button you can push to do that. And, you know, just stuff like that. That I think their best thing is their their easy color system. The, <laughs> the, the four shades of red. Yeah, their driver rating system, yeah, it's just a few <laughs> different shades of nearly the identical color of red. But it is, And it'll show up in Sim, so it's very easy to see. Yeah, you should definitely check it out if you want to laugh. and you, It's all, it's all the funny iRacing stuff. I feel like this, this should have more views than it does. It's only showing that it's got 4,000 views. I just feel like this was underrated for what it was. Yeah, a lot of effort looks like went into it, too. But uh, it's pretty uh, comical. So that's uh, Dinner with uh, Racers on YouTube. And they have a podcast that's pretty good, too. Uh, let's talk new cars. And this isn't an April Fool's. Uh, we've had announced uh, the Indy Pro 2000 and the USF 2000 are actually coming in June. So that means they must have already scanned them. I don't even so, I can't even think. Obviously, I know they're an open-wheel cockpit car. But I can't even think of what it fully looks like. Indy Lights, uh, you know, the Freedom oh, okay, 100 so before yeah. the Indy 500, right. They look like an Indy car, but smaller, basically. Uh, it says you're going to utilize the same chassis, uh, the Tatas USF 17 and the Tatas PM 18 represent the first two steps in the Road to Indy program. After conquering 
the US F-17 and the F-2000 action. Drivers get to play with 100 more horsepower, more aerodynamic options, and larger tires with the PM-18 and the Indy Pro 2000. What I like about this is we finally have a proper feeder series to the IndyCar on the on the to the IndyCar because but before this there really isn't in a feeder you know series you'd have to go to a European car. Yeah, and it's supposed to be Indy Lights is what feeds the that series mostly. Right. Uh, another tidbit: uh, they're looking to run three oval season ovals per season, so it'll be a mix between road and oval. Okay, uh, Greg, we got Stafford Speedway getting in on the whole e-racing effort. So I guess Stafford, after a successful launch last Friday night, e-Stafford Speedway is set to return with a multi-event iRacing series starting tomorrow night, I guess, or tomorrow. Um, the Stafford Speedway e-series uh, will be uh, similar to last Friday's event, with weekly live stream broadcasts uh, on the Stafford Speedway YouTube channel at 7 p.m. Event dates include April 3rd, which is tomorrow, um, and then the 10th, and then the 17th. Uh, and they will all be at 7 p.m. And you can race your way in and join them. So the information is at StaffordMotorSpeedway.com, so check their website if you want to get involved. Is there a night of the week that there isn't anything e-something going on? It's crazy right now. I don't know that there is. Maybe Friday, but I'm not certain. Well, that depends on, so now there is Friday. And uh, Chris, speaking of April Fools. Yeah, uh, forum post by Mihail Ladyshev, um, leaking the animated paints coming to iRacing. <laughs> animated paint? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. He made a video... Um, of exactly that, yeah. Animated paints, like so, paints where the the color can change, and you can have graphics that change on the the skin of the car. It would be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, he shows like a Porsche that's white suddenly changes into a rainbow color look with droplets that kind of leak down the side of the car. Very cool. It's, it's very great good job at with video the editing. Yeah. Well, what was neat about this is at the beginning he used the iRacing like header or logo and so it looks like a, an official like iRacing video like drew adamson would put out yeah, yeah this would have had like a staff under his name people would have been flipping out like he probably should have just sent them, this to them to post exactly and then there was another one uh where somebody put up uh in the forums that they had to serve a penalty and he put up a screenshot of the penalty time uh it said 582 hours and 32 minutes he had to serve his penalty. I would have rather taken the Suarez penalty. Okay, let's keep moving. Po uh, podcast housekeeping. Uh, listener involvement. Send me your emails to iracerslounge at gmail.com with story ideas. Just need a link. Don't need anything else. And I need, need it by email. Does anything you find about iRacing that you think would be good for the show, shoot me a link, man. I appreciate it. If you just send it to me, that's one less thing I have to do, and I appreciate it. So help help me out, guys. And don't forget, we're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. Uh, check them out. Hardware Software, Greg. And I'm behind on this. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention to the soft hardware side thing. Uh, so it looks like MPI has uh, posted an image of their oval rim here on their Instagram page, and... These Max Pappas uh, rims are 
amazing rims. Obviously, they're like official rims that you can get that the cup guys would use, kind of. It, you know, I'm sure there's a different version, but these are good for sim racing. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a very high quality oval rim. It it is really, you know, when you look at it, you know, uh, you're you got quality there when you got the MPI logo in the center. Yeah, and it was a big marketing blitz. He he says introducing our sim racing line at Max Pappas Innovations. And then when you go to their website and go to the sim racing section, it does say new next to each picture, like it's a new product. But I'm pretty sure we've talked about these before. I don't know if they're just kind of trying to relaunch what they've done in the past so people are aware of it. But I'm not really seeing anything new. But $179 for their uh, their uh, you know oval wheel. And you can get them all the way up to 16 inches, which is a huge oval rim. All right, Chris, uh, Race X Pro Sequential Shifters. Yeah, we have a, another shifter. Um, just I didn't see a price on this one. Looks a little bit shorter than most of our other ones, but another really solid-looking piece. Yeah, and this is uh, the website uh, simworkswithanx.com.au. So they're, they're from Australia. I don't know what $1,100 Australian is, American, but it sounds expensive. It does. But it's a nice-looking product. I mean, it's all heavy metal, it looks like. and all right, Yeah, you could probably, I mean, you could, it looks like you could mount this in a real race car just as easily as you could a sim rig. I mean, it's, it's solid, solid. Oh, yeah. High-end for sure. Okay, next up, uh, NASCARASM. I guess that's how you say that on Twitter, in case you missed it. Uh, if you want to see all the different iRacing setups the drivers were using today, we collected them and put them in one video, and they call it the rig down. And they basically got a video going of all the different NASCAR drivers' rigs. Well, it's actually a website where you can see pictures of it. Uh, but if you go to the website, which is at NASCAR.com, they literally have 25 different pictures of 25 different rigs. And so if you're kind of wondering or want to go back and see what people are running, this is a good way to do it. It's a like good idea or a good place for people with um, just starting out to get some ideas on rigs. You can start with Timmy Hill and work your way all the way up to Denny Hamlin. And tell Parker Kligerman to get his monitors straightened out and clean up his cable. <laughs> I love how someone commented saying, how did Daniel Suarez miss Dylan with, all his, with his setup? Yeah, crazy. Ross Chastain in his lawn chair. I don't know, dining room chair, I guess. Pretty cool video. Uh, next video, uh, Sim Racing Garage. We talk about them every week. I mean, Barry is just hitting on all cylinders. Uh, this time, he reviews an old product, uh, the Club Fanatec Club Sport version 2.5 wheelbase review. And he's got a 45-minute video where he takes it apart, just like usual, picks it apart, puts it back together, tests it, Tells us what he thinks and so forth. So uh, if you're interested, check that out. Have you guys had the 2.5? I'm in the one underneath that, the CSL. Okay. But uh, if I don't ever go, I don't, I think if I'm ever going to invest in something, it's going to direct drive next anyways. So yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of demand for this when, you know, when the direct drives are out there, but it's kind of a good middle point maybe. Okay. Next up, Greg, the funky switch. This seems like something Tony put in uh, right down his alleyway um, <laughs> for do-it-yourself uh, switches. So it's it's introducing uh, 
It's called a new Funky Switch. It offers a four-way hat and rotor encoder to uh, a push-button switch uh, all in one. So this is like kind of. It's basically I don't know, Mike. You have you have the Xbox Hub, right? For your yeah. Video? It's basically that that little X uh, button of the thing. It's basically one of those um, that you can use to make these. Uh, um, what I'm guessing for your do-it-yourself button boxes. Uh, it's at Simcore. Uh, the website to find these at is at www.simcore.com.au/diy. So you can order them in there to uh, wire into your own custom builds if you want for uh, button boxes. It's an option for you. Is uh, getting a specific type of rotary um, button there. It's Thirty-eight bucks, and it's I kind of want to call it like a one-button button box. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. you could have a lot of different things with it. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, so yeah, these funky switches, you can turn them, and then you can rock them back and forth. A lot of them you can push down, so you can get a whole lot of function, button function out of one tiny button. You can kind of see it with all those soldering points there at the bottom of it. Yeah, so if you're looking for those, I, I think it's the first time I've seen these for sale kind of individually. Yeah, yeah, me too. I don't think I've seen them. Yeah, it's great if you build mount these to a steering wheel. I mean, it looks like you probably could. They're small enough. They're probably they're the probably the reason we haven't seen. Them. They're probably not cheap to make. Thirty-eight bucks. The wire too, I imagine too. And also, they're on my first hub before it got repaired, or before I got a, a hub from Fnatic. That one failed. Uh, the same type of thing failed because of there's so many moving parts in it, right? Right. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, we got pedals, Sim Racing Pedals Mecca Cup 1, Chris. Yeah, is this a new company? Um, Mecca. New to us. Yeah, I don't remember seeing them. Yeah, the Mecca Cup 1. Uh, it's just an, another set of um, pretty sturdy-looking hydraulic pedals. I couldn't find a, a price, but they, they look pretty solid. They do make um, other products as well. I couldn't find a price either, So, but the pedals look pretty dang awesome, to tell you the truth. Yeah, and they kind of they kind of hit all those buttons too. It looks like they have you know the load cell, the hydraulic. They have the right. rubber bushings. It's, yeah, it seems like they check all those boxes. Uh, nice looking pedals. They got a base. Uh, yeah, I'm really curious about the price, but I I don't even see how you uh, order these to tell you the truth. I, I guess there's a shop. Let me click on that. Hold on. And I don't know what country this is. Uh, either so i haven't quite figured that out yet so when i click on shop it took us to a different website and it says 704 euros for these pedals so how about that that doesn't seem too bad actually and, and these look comparable to like the hpps that we were talking about uh from california that i really like those ones of the light blue color uh these would be comparable it looks like in price as well and they have a base which those other hpps don't so yeah, check those out. New company, guys. Uh, Greg, we also had a sneak peek of a new product from Carolina Simworks. Hashtag soon. Nice. Yeah. It's, a, it's a rig that they're, I guess this is like a CAD drawing. or a, uh, It's on their Instagram page, but it's a tease of their next setup. with the, It looks like an 80-20 setup, but yep. very simple, but very, you know, it looks like it'll be perfect for direct drive and any anything you want to co accommodate for it. Yeah, typical 80-20 kind of uh, cockpit. I really like the look or the design of the triple monitor mount, though. That's what kind of appeals to me. 
Other than that, it looks like any other 80-20 rig to me. Yeah, it's pretty straight up and down, right? It's like it's a straight up sitting position type thing, right? Yep. Uh, next story, Greg, you wanted to uh, make sure we talked about this. This is uh, the hand controls for Robert Wickens. Yeah, this thing kind of interests me because I know, obviously, Robert Wickens is Canadian and he's was badly, in, I don't want to say two, almost two years ago, where he's still recovering to try and um, fully walk and he's been doing a hell of a job doing it. Um, but I guess he couldn't, uh, he was working with another company. He never did say that who the original company was that was doing hand controls for him for his steering wheel setup. And, uh, he put a, I saw the tweet on his, uh, on his account, um, come out, I want to say 24 hours, maybe before the IndyCar race saying that anybody that knows anybody that can make hand controls, I need to get in touch with them ASAP to, um, because I had a company back out. So it looks like uh, Max Pappas has been uh, hard at work helping him out um, with this beautiful setup. And, man, um, I, you know, it, it's amazing what you can do when you think when you, when you need to, right? Like, obviously... I'm wondering, because uh, Chris, you said, uh, who was the guy that didn't have legs in the... Oh, Swindell. Yeah. Swindell. So I'm again. wondering if he has a similar type of setup. He must. So, you know, maybe Max Pappas has already built one of these for somebody. I don't know. I'd have to go and maybe do some research or maybe even actually tweet at Swindell and see if what setup he runs for it. But, man, kudos to Pappas for trying to get this ready for him. And it sounds like Wiccans will be there this weekend. Yeah, they didn't get it quite to him in time, uh, but uh, Max put up pictures of the build, and it looks pretty amazing. Uh, it looks like he's got a Fanatec, uh, you know, hub, universal hub, and then some other mechanical piece that uh, allows the throttle rim and the braking rim that kind of sit behind the wheel rim where he has a throttle and brake. Yeah, it's it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see how, He's throttling and shifting at the same time, right? Like he's got it on the same side for upshift and then downshift. Two different fingers. Yeah, it's wow. It's going to be a talent to do it. I can't imagine how hard it is to drive with one of those things. And the other thing is, he has no practice with it. Even if he had gotten it and had been thrown into that race, I mean, he probably wouldn't have been pretty. That's got to take some getting used to, I would imagine. Well, I'm sure he's, if he got it this week, he's been probably on working. I have. Uh, as much as he can yeah he's definitely in this upcoming race so we'll see how that goes okay chris we got some high-res pictures of the sim magic wheel from hong kong uh, yeah jeffrey ford has um bought both the uh the oval and the formula rims and uh they're they're pretty sharp looking i mean they're, yeah. they're pretty nice um they're uh, start out at 450 dollars. they say starting out i don't i'm hoping that's pretty close to the complete price you don't have to add extra for buttons or whatever, but um, I actually like the the stock car rim a lot better than the Formula One. The Formula One's kind of basic looking Complain. to me. Yeah, but the um, the only my only complaint would I would would just like we were talking about that funky switch. This thing has a lot of dials on it. I would probably replace that with a couple of those funky switches, give it a little bit more functionality. I don't need that many dials on a rim. I mean, I guess it'd be nice for volume controls, but that's not something I really want right there all the time. I I could find better uses for that. But real nice. Um, so it kind of checks all the boxes too. Alcantara, um, quick disconnect. Yeah, and uh, Jeffrey Ford is trying to, I guess, be the U.S. distributor for these, and uh, he's 
been on the forum saying he's buying five, six at a time and then reselling them to people in the U.S. So if you're interested, uh, that's who you talk to. Okay. Uh, wow, Greg, we got uh, applications being accepted for the new G-Belt. Yeah, and I was trying to remember the system, and then obviously as soon as I saw the picture of it, it reminded me of what it was. So obviously this is the restraint belt system that pulls on you as like G-forces uh, for your seat. And uh, they're getting people, you can go to their website on Sim Experience and sign up to uh, be, a, I guess, beta tester for their new G-belt here. Um, I'm just looking at what they require to do it. Well, I think you have to have the GS5 seat to go with it. I, I think that's the idea for the beta testers. Yeah, so that's, that's I guess, I yeah, that'd be a good thing to know, right? I mean, well, obviously, the, I think the system could work on a regular or a different kind of seat, but it's made to be, you know, to go with the GS5, which is that motion seat that has the flaps that push against you. Yeah, so um, also there is a side note here to anybody that's doing it. Testers must pay almost nine or it's eight ninety nine refundable deposit plus shipping and applicable taxes for it. Yeah, if I owned a seat, I'd be all over this, man. I'd, I'd want that's going to be quite a combination. All right, let's keep moving, Chris. We got a do-it-yourself motion platform uh, how-to video. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So they do say um, do it yourself um, in this video by uh, a YouTube video by Play Simulator. I think I guess it's do it yourself if you have a machine shop in your garage because um, they do. Uh, it's and you can weld. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. You kind of need to be an engineer to do this yourself, but it's a um, really cool three uh, DOF rig. The motion that it moves when you see them actually in it. Holy cow! This thing has some movement. Yeah, like I said, not just on those those three points. They can. It seems to get all of the movement in. So if you're handy, uh, check this out. It's Play Simulator, all one word, on YouTube. In fact, I'm gonna subscribe so I can see their future videos. Uh, but yeah, I was Chris. You found this video somewhere, and when you sent it, I was like, "Whoa, check this out!" Yeah, I wish it was a little bit more do-it-yourself. <laughs> And this is the kind of motion cockpit you definitely need seatbelts for. Yeah, he does. He, uh, part of the video, it looks like he does put his daughter in the rig, so you can, it shows that it is safe. You do want to have those belts on, though. It's almost too much movement, I would think, for a racing sim, the way it kind of jerks about. But, wow. Okay, next up, final topic here. Uh, Wooger, W-O-O-J-E-R.com, has a vest... And it's called the Vest Pro. It's bone-shaking, location-specific, haptic vest. Delivers sensation, so powerful and accurate. It'll raise everything from your pulse right through to the tiny hairs on the back of your neck. $599. Ships within two business days. And it looks like a, it looks kind of like a, a water, uh, like you're going in the lake and you need something to keep you floating. I was going to say four interest-free payments of only one hundred and forty-nine seventy-five. Though that sounds more my speed. There you go. I want this thing looks awesome. I I want this for VR. I mean, I can only imagine how cool this thing would be. I don't know. I know. So I know Steve Thompson. He has kind of a, a chair seat that he sits on that has um, haptics in the back of it. You know, the vibration. Yeah, things. the pad thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I can imagine this. I mean, if it, that's how this would kind of work, and I imagine it would be motion feel, for your butt. Yeah. Yeah, it would feel really, really good, but I wonder how thick it is. And it seems like I don't know that you would 
be able to play this sitting down in a race seat like this. If you're going to, you're probably going to want to use this kind of thing standing up. And if you are sitting down, I think you're probably going to be want, like on a couch or something more forgiving. Well, they show pictures down below of the guy wearing it and it, he's standing up doing VR. And they even have a thing where they can, you can take the PC and strap it on your back. So you're like mobile with your VR. Yeah, I think this thing would be awesome for VR, but it just looks like that the back of it's just too thick to be comfortable sitting in a race seat. Optional PC mounting on your back. Heck yeah. <laughs> this is a neat product. I don't know if it would work sitting in a seat like you said, but can't wait for somebody to buy it and tell us. Perfect for social distancing. You just walk around with your computer on your back and you hang out with your friend that's across the country. Okay, let's jump into results. Uh, NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up Texas. Friday open, Nick Williams, P12. David Hall, P4, which I think is the best result of the team for the week. Uh, good job, David Hall, who's definitely a leader on our team. I ran, I got P26. Ouch. I really struggled with uh, turn two. I was loose, man, in turn two. I could not get through there. Uh, towards the end, it kind of got better uh, as there was more rubber down, but I just sucked. Um, I had pitted under a green flag run, and, and it, for some reason, it didn't fill the car. And I actually had a human spotter, uh, Ryan Eckstein, with me, and I was kind of like, did he screw up and you know take turn off the gas, or did I do it? I know I didn't do it, so I was kind of thinking he screwed up somehow. But uh, later, after the, after the race, I realized... I had updated Joel Real Timing just before the race. It had an update available, and I finally did it. And apparently it has a thing where it auto-checks off your fuel or something, and it defaulted the wrong way. And I had never used Joel Real Timing to control fuel, but apparently it has a way to control fuel, and it did it on its own without my intervention and basically made me had to pit again on green for gas. And then I was so pissed, I sped off pit road. And so I ended up three laps down uh, because of that. So don't update your software right before the race. That's the lesson learned. Uh, Tony Rochette got a P15. He said he restarted second with four to go. Should have gotten tires. This was the la last lap wrecked out by an outside car out of two hitting the wall on the white flag. Saturday fixed. I ran again, uh, wrecked out. Definitely was on the outside, leaving a lane and more on the inside, and the guy just came up and took me out. And when you're on the outside at Texas in the corner, and that guy gets into you, there's not a lot you can do. Uh, Sunday open, Tony Rochette. Engine done, gone, blown up, he said. Uh, I ran, I got a P19. Uh, we were out to lunch on the set. Now, Greg, I think we used your set on this race. Of course, uh, I, my set when I, <laughs> yeah, we, I ended up wrecking out by myself and then Greg, you wrecked out too. Yeah. I spent a lot of time Saturday working on the set and I had one fatal flaw in it that I figured out after we raced. So <laughs> just sucked after I figured it out too late. I, I put on a lot of laps. I learned a lot on that session, so I'm hoping it translate forward in the season. So um we'll go from there uh it's nothing i can probably really help us at bristol this week but i learned some stuff about the mile and a half that uh 
we'll, did make it faster. We just have to add the other part that I forgot to it to make it last longer. Yeah, I think we were out to lunch Friday night. I think it was Adam's set, and uh, it, I was just so loose and too I couldn't drive it, and I ended up wrecking. And and so we tried your set Sunday, and it was it was definitely not loose anymore, and you could drive it up off too. But but we were just slower than everybody else. Uh, Sunday fixed. I ran. I got a P nineteen. I was always fading on the longer runs. I got caught up in a wreck. I couldn't miss. Uh, just my typical luck. I'm losing I rating like crazy. And speaking of that, let's move on to Bristol. <laughs> I wrecked out Wednesday open. Uh, had a good top 10 actually going. I was running like 10 to 15th most of the day. But got caught up finally in a wreck near the end. Uh, that was not my doing. There's no way to miss it. I was pretty lucky up to that point. Uh, new team member Tom Dreeling got a P19. Uh, he was in my split. Uh, he had a major damage at lap 100 and actually lost five laps due to that. Uh, Tony Rochette wrecked out again. And then Chris, P2. Uh, yeah, it was kind of um, just missed all the, the wrecks. I ran around fifth most all of the race. Luck. Yeah, really, a lot of it is at Bristol. I'm not going to lie. But I did I did miss it all. And then at the, um, I had a pretty good shot at the end. I was running second, but the, with a couple laps to go, um, the leader got a really good jump on me. He had a pretty busted up car. And, uh, I just, I, our set, the set I used had like a 70% break bias and it was so high that I was afraid to lower it, that it might break it or something. And I just, when I really tried to drive it hard there, I just lost, um, that center where I was beating them. And, uh, I had, did have a nice run. I'm, um, coming off the last, uh, coming off the turn four, he had to go low to try to avoid a lap car that was up high. And I just kind of let it kind of let it eat on his outside and end up. Um, wrecking us both across the line which in hindsight was a really dumb move i mean because it was just kind of a last second thing across the line but with these incident limits i didn't take into consideration with his busted up car i hit a 4x right before the line and could have got him ejected so maybe that wasn't so smart but you know last corner yeah i think i jumped in and to watch you on that last restart yeah he just smoked you on the on the start and there was just no catching him you know because there's just not enough time yeah, they're going to need that. <laughs> That's why it says about that PJ1. It is going to be a rough race for those guys this weekend, I think, because you know, with a Bristol, a high line dominant Bristol is not a good place to be. I don't think you have to be worried about cautions this week. No. Man, I just want to finish. Uh, get a get a good finish. So, all right, let's uh, get into final thoughts. It's been a long show, but I hope uh, a good one. Uh, Chris Scales. A long podcast, but had a lot of fun and made it through the whole thing without peeing. So I guess I'm a grown man. Big boy now. Greg Hector's oh final thought. God. <laughs> sorry. I'm you sorry, dude. Wait, that was could me. Uh, anyways, that, that's an inside joke that nobody's going to get. Um, I got it. <laughs> I've been away for a while. I haven't been at the podcast, what, two or three weeks in a row here. Uh, I've been working my tail off 60 plus hours a week since all this stuff's gone down uh, hill with uh, the world right now. But um, for me and the most, uh, I'm just looking forward to racing. It's the only thing that kind of takes my mind away from what's going on. It's, it's my release and it's, it's good to, to get to do it. I don't know if I'll get to do it Friday night. I might be doing it. Not only get a shot on Sunday for it. Um, probably going to celebrate my daughter's birthday tomorrow somehow uh in these trying times but uh yeah 
Um, but I just hope that everybody that uh, listens to the show and everything and um, follows us out there, staying safe and, uh, um, you know, stay away from people. Sit in your rigs and race. That's right. Don't breathe on nobody. All right. Let's, uh, my final thoughts. Uh, well, thank you to Evan Pasoko for coming on. Talk to the Coke, talk about Coke racing. Uh, of course, uh, Jeremy Allen, uh, the Coke driver who did so well in road to pro and, and had so many good runs was always in contention, fun to watch. Uh, good luck to him. And, uh, you know, I, Shout out to Adam, uh, excuse me, the guy who does the uh, editing for the iRacing uh, videos and uh, live stream. Uh, what's his name? Adam, right? Yeah, I, don't, I can't remember his last name. That That's the most important guy on the planet right now as far as iRacing goes. And I understand uh, from one Twitter from Steve Myers, uh, who was responding to a question on Twitter, uh, that they per- pretty much vacated the Boston offices to the co- due to the coronavirus. So he, uh, Drew Adamson, that's his name, Drew Adamson, would not get sick because without him, you know, doing all the editing and whatnot and the cameras and stuff and being the main producer, uh, none of these broadcasts would be happening. And so a big shout out to Drew Adamson, uh, who's actually getting it done. He's the busiest guy in motorsports uh, this week. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.